0: Warning, the Dub Talk podcast may contain lags and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Please be aware that this episode of Dub Talk will contain spoilers for the entirety of Season 1 of When They Cry, as well as potential spoilers for other anime series. Lastly, please be aware that the views and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect those of Dub Talk as a whole. What you're seeking is a serious discussion. What you found is endless rambling. At the end of this road, last a time to you wasted. Dub Talk, Halloween Chapter, Episode Two, When They Cry. Can you believe in this?
1: Greetings, dear ghosts and ghouls. Welcome to Dub Talk, the spooky podcast where we discuss the latest and greatest in English dubs. My name is Stephanie, and welcome to tonight's horror-filled Halloween episode. This year's victims, I mean participants, are Jet, Noah, and Amon. Uh,
2: uh, my invitation said that we were all getting free candy in the back of the windowless van.
0: I don't Blood know what's man. happening, but I know I'm taking them home with me.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Come on, folks, let's stick around. Take a load off. If you sit still, I'll use this app to help you take a big load off. <laughs> 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 I
1: was yes, you heard hard it. You, to laugh. You, you heard God it? damn it.
3: Yes, you heard it here first, folks. I've been cast as the crypt keeper in the uh, new reboot of Tales from the Crypt. <laughs>
2: coming. Um,
1: <laughs> Never. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Oh, now i got to get back into character. Shit!
2: Sorry. <laughs> I mean, with, with HBO's <laughs> new family-friendly direction i I think a nice, cuddlier Crypt Keeper would actually fit pretty well with their new image.
1: Oh, lord. <laughs> okay. Now. Now. Last Halloween, we covered the cute girl series, School Live. This year, we're going to be talking about another series with cute girls. How are did you excited people, for
2: it? A... How did that happen? Two, two back <laughs> are... to back episodes are... about anime with cute Moe girls that are not what they seem. How, how did that ha- become a thing?
0: Japanese.
1: Not sure, lines. but apparently it's a thing right now. Are you excited for this one, boys? Yes.
2: Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm excited. All right, just for... us two. Cool. No, I'm excited <laughs> for this nail biting good time.
1: Oh <laughs> uh... yes. Uh... <laughs>
2: And y- you know, I'm, I'm so happy that I, I, I'd like to take a swing at this show, if I might.
0: It. It'll be a Here truly, we go. Here truly
2: we go. wrenching experience. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, hey. All right. At this stage, I'm just broke character this whole freaking time. I'm going to go normal now. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the English dub of Higarashi no Naku Koroni, or When They Cry. If this, if this <laughs> is, it's as de- Noah cries de- in the corner a right
2: de- now. De- de- God, de- de-
1: de- de- God damn de- it. it if this is your first time hearing about this series let me give you all the horrific details moving to the picturesque town of hinamizawa is going to be a big adjustment for keiichi for all its beauty it's also tiny so small there's only one school one where most of the students have known each other all their lives fortunately he soon meets four girls rena mion satako and rika who are willing to let the new guy in town join their after school club. And for a while, themes, things seem wonderful. Until KHE starts discovering strange things, like the project manager for a controversial damn project being found dismembered five years ago. <gasps>
2: Lilac, watch your language. We don't say the D word around here.
1: Damn? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My bad. We gotta censor that now.
2: <laughs> no. It's a joke because if if someone didn't understand it, she's actually talking about the construction project dam. Not, not. It's a dam project. Not like it's a damn good project. I think people.
1: I think I think, people got it. (laughs) Anyway, as he digs deeper, there are whispers and rumors of other murders and disappearances, stories of a town curse and mysterious rituals, and then people he knows starts to die. What secrets have the people of Hinamizawa kept hidden from the rest of the world? And could his new friends somehow be involved? Now, Higarashi in of itself is actually an interesting story, production-wise. And I think Jed is also familiar with this, and correct me if, I, if I'm wrong here. So originally, Season 1 of Higarashi, which is, just to give you a heads up now, we're only covering Season 1 of the show. So, season one of Higarashi was originally licensed, dubbed, and released by Genion back in the mid-2000s. Um, but I think with a combination of poor sales and the fact that Genion kind of closed down... Um, the series went out of print for a good span of time. Slash, we didn't get the sequel seasons for a good span of time. Uh, and then the story after that goes is Funimation actually rescued the first season and did absolutely nothing with the damn thing. And not streaming-wise, not home video-wise, nothing. They just had it in their hands for a long-ass time, let it expire, and then I believe, what was it? It was...
2: Sentai Filmworks?
1: Well, yeah, but I think it was like about, what, 2012, 13-ish? yes um where around that point when uh sentai filmworks not only rescued season one of Higarashi, but for the first time in the states they also licensed the sequel seasons Higarashi kai and Higarashi rei the ova series however even though all three seasons all two seasons and the ova are on home video they actually didn't go and dub the sequel seasons so the only English stuff we still currently have is for this first season. Which in and of itself is very strange. But to be fair, it also makes sense given what Jenny On did with the show. Because for people who don't know, Jenny On originally is an L.A.-based licensing company.
2: Was an L.A.-based licensing what? company. <laughs> They, they died. Right. They died a very painful death. Those of you who were around back in the, I think it was around 20, 2009 is when the Great on Crash happened. Two
1: thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, around then. It was before. It was before I graduated high school, which is shocking.
2: Yeah. There's a before I,
1: before <laughs> I really knew what anime was.
2: So yeah. So but, so we'll be talk. Uh, it sounds like we'll be talking about a dub for Los Angeles actors. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Nice. More of an uh, Cali, La based dub. Um, but, anyway, on this frightful evening, we will be going through the cast, discuss performances, and give our thoughts on the dub as a whole. This is your final warning, because if the first first thing starts when it comes to Higarashi, it is a horror show, and is a very, very gory, gruesome horror show. Alright? There are children who murder themselves? Who, who commit suicide and who get killed and all this other fun stuff. If you are not the kind of person who's into child murder and or gore to like extreme lengths, almost like torture as well, d- telling you this now, the show is not going to be for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, battle royale like, has nothing on this series.
1: I like battle th- royale has nothing.
3: On I this. like to think I have a pretty good constitution for like uh, gore and and uh, you know awful stuff in. Uh, media, especially horror media, Higurashi contains the single most upsetting scene in any anime that I've ever which seen, and I do not think it is ever going to lose that status. Which wow. one? <laughs> There's
1: so many upsetting scenes. Which one?
3: It's not. It's not the first time Shion has to use the machine, and it's not the third time she has to use the machine. <laughs> it's the second one where she whiffs it. Oh god! It is the worst scene I've ever seen.
2: It just makes Ooh. your skin crawl just thinking about it.
3: You, you don't even need to see it happen. You just know, and that makes it so much worse.
2: I, I feel like yeah, that's, that's a line most people won't cross. Like, when it comes to uh, pl- uh, chopping off uh, an arm, totally fine. Uh, stabbing yourself in the chest, perfectly fine. But mm-hmm. fingernails? that That's a line too yeah. far. Nope
1: the the other fu- the other fun fact about Higurashi is this is actually the show is actually based on a visual novel style game by Seventh Expansion as well, so this was originally a visual novel, a horror visual novel, novel, ladies and gentlemen. Uh,
2: and if you think that, we, uh, and if you think that uh, visual novels themselves are already scary enough, then we've just made it even <laughs> scarier.
1: Ta da! All right, so are we ready to? get this wild ride into the dark unknown started for the evening gentlemen. Yes.
2: Fire it mm-hmm. up. Fire it up. Fire it up. Literally? And and send it drifting with the cotton.
1: Like cotton drifting festival. Oh lord. oh All right. So, we're going to kick things off with of course the ADR director as well as our scriptwriters. We actually have two here. So our ADR director is actually Miss Christy Reed, who has also directed series such as A World, Ghost Slayers, Ayashi, and Vampire Night. Uh, Christy also serves, yeah, Vampire <laughs> Night. I had to put that in there.
2: I, I've, I've seen none of it. I have seen absolutely none of Vampire Night, but its reputation precedes it so much that it feels like one of those shows that's so bad that you have to watch it.
1: It's the anime version of Twilight Boys and Girls.
2: Oh, okay, so yes.
1: Uh, anyway, Christy actually also serves as one of, as the lead writer between the two scriptwriters here, uh, to which she has written scripts for series such as Witch Hunter Robin, Last Exile, and Moribito, Guardian of the Spirit. Meanwhile, for episodes 2 and 3, a name that we all know on the L.A. side, we have Alex Von David as serving as a scriptwriter as well, who has done scripts for Erased, Lucky Star, and Madoka Magica. So, I'm going to start with... Aman, what are your thoughts on the directing and writing of Higarashi? Hmm.
2: Hmm. <laughs> don't be, don't be, you know, kind. Be as vicious and bloodthirsty as possible.
1: But I don't oh, want to be, that, but I want to be
3: vicious. I didn't think it was very bad.
1: Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, there's, there's yeah, another I mean, thing we forgot. Here's the other thing we forgot to point out. For some reason, Higarashi's dub is infamously bad. <laughs> Which
3: uh, that was the thing, I I I've been aware of that going into this and I don't I've seen the show all the way through previously. I cannot for the life remember if I watched it dubbed or subbed. But watching it now, I didn't I didn't find it that bad. Yeah. Like it's not It's not like it's nothing to write home about, it doesn't feel like. Uh, you know, if you if you if you compare it to what I feel like is maybe like your average Funimation Simuldub that's coming out these days, it is probably not as strong. Um it's a little looser uh, some of the performances, well, not terrible, are just kind of like okay often enough. Uh, I think probably not helped by the fact that about half the characters are trying to do like, you know, super high pitched Moe Moe cutesy voices, which yeah. are, tend to be a little dodgy in English.
2: I mean, cause let's keep in mind that this was dubbed in the late 2000s before mm-hmm. the English actors had really perfected that archetype of the Moe character, or the Moe female character. Yeah.
1: I believe if we're getting the exact date because i was working on um i was actually working on a blog on a blog post on my new blog for um halloween type series i believe the dvd release for Higarashi from Genon was originally around 2006
2: yeah yeah so um, yeah so so you're so per, like i guess to, the question is amanda are we comparing it to dubs of the time period or just what we're used to in 2018
3: it is hard to say because at this point i I have not watched anything contemporary, uh, like contemporary to this, recently enough to have a fair shake in terms of that. That being said, I don't think this is a bad dub. I just think it's kind of, it's kind of wobbly. I think would probably be the way to put it. It is, okay. I think, oddly enough, I think it actually works very well for the show in a lot of ways.
2: Um, yeah, I'm glad you said that.
3: Uh, just because Higurashi likes to play around with me. I'm sorry, my cat's having a sneezing fit right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kitty!
1: Oh uh, no,
3: kitty! And then, and then one
2: of the characters comes out and says, We should let the good little kitties go!
1: God damn it! <laughs>
3: um, where was I? So, uh, like, Hidurashi, the actual <laughs> show, likes to play around... This is one of the few instances where Studio Dean's tendency to not always have the best animation, I think kind of works for it oh God. because- <laughs> Oh my God, that animation. Oh my because God. So, 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 so often it, it ends up going into off model in of ways that kind of help make everything more upsetting. And much yeah. the same way I sometimes feel some of the ways that this dub is a little weird and flat actually kind of work for it. both in the sense of it gives it kind of a B movie horror vibe, which I think feels very appropriate.
0: Yes. Um,
3: and also just because, like, sometimes the characters aren't really acting normal. So them not That's sounding unfair. normal kind of helps. I'm not sure how much of that was intentional on uh, Christy and <laughs> Alex's part. But, hey, if it works for the show, like, I'm not going to complain. I, I actually found this very, very watchable and easy to listen to if a little bit dated sounding compared to something you would watch brand new, you know, made today. Okay. Um. So, like, I, like it has issues, but on the whole, actually, I liked it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, okay. You know, I thought, I thought it worked well for the
2: show. That's a very Jet. glowing praise.
1: It is, uh, considering how infamous the dub can, the reputation, unfortunately, this one does does have. Jet, what are your thoughts on directing and writing for Higarashi?
0: Okay. Uh, so, nowadays, BangZoom is uh, pretty consistent when it comes to quality, and uh, they put out some of the best settings stuff the industry uh, currently has to offer. Uh, but the Bang Doom of yesteryear was a lot rougher around the edges, and that probably has to do with how their philosophy has kind of like evolved over the years. Um, okay. In their earliest days, the general goal for Bang Doom with their doves was to produce a sound as close to the Japanese version as possible. And that's kind of reflected uh-huh. in both the direction and the script here. Uh, the actresses who comprised much of the show's central class were very clearly directed directed to imitate the mowing girl voices used by their seiyu counterparts. And the dub script is, like, slavishly faithful to the Japanese track to the point where they even try to recreate some of the specific verbal mannerisms that were used. Uh, the problem is that, in some respects, it sounds a little bit too much like an imitation. Uh, mm-hmm. While the actors here can emote when they need to, a lot of the time they sound kind of awkward outside of the bigger moments because they're trying a little bit too hard to mimic the same performances, and not bringing quite enough of their own energy into the mix. And similarly, while the script does enough tweaks to avoid feeling like a one-for-one one comparison of the subtitle track, uh, there's a little bit more they could have maybe done to add to the atmosphere of the show, considering, you know, the time period in place it, it takes place in, like, I think it's supposed to be like the 80s or something. Yes, like the early it's, 1980s. It is, it's, I think it is, it's
1: June of 83, I want to say.
0: That is the date they keep showing. Yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. so I feel like they maybe could have had some fun with that. Uh, but anyway, uh, to be fair, Chrissy Reed has directed several things I've liked, like Excel World and Dura Ra. And uh, while the dub is lacking in a few areas, it's perfectly serviceable for the most part. Uh, But this is probably the weakest of her work that I've seen. I mean, granted, I haven't seen Vampire Night, and I don't really want to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, if anything, it's made me happy to see how much he's evolved over the years.
1: I will let you know how Vampire Night is. The dub, oh, Lord, why? (laughs) Look, look, look here. I was obsessed with that show in high school. Unfortunately. Oh no. And then when I saw when I saw the show again in the English dub when I was in college a few years later, I'm like, what the fuck is this?
2: <laughs> it, it spoke to you. Though. I That's- also
1: realized I also realized at that time that Vampire Night is absolute garbage. But Steph learned a lot of things in college, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, Jet, quick question because I don't think I've actually ever asked this, and I don't think this is as far as I know if it's never been brought up. Um. Because you're 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 basically for all of us the resident Cali person here, um, in terms of the industry on that end. When around when was BangZoom even even formed? I'm curious.
0: I that I do not know. Unless you don't know. (laughs) I mean. So definitely definitely definitely
1: definitely, like at least it has been formed by the mid 2000s for sure.
0: I yeah, it was definitely formed by the mid 2000s. I want to say at least by like early 2000s. Uh, because okay. I know they were, because I know they were formed after anime's, and um, I know the people at anime's kind of complained about that. So
1: gotcha. <laughs> okay, it's good to know. I'm just, I'm just just thinking context-wise because it's interesting that you brought up how their philosophy in terms of dubbing shows was very different back then than it is now. Um, it uh, makes it really actually yeah, good. I mean, point. like, I
0: mean, like some of that's still there, but they've like very right. clearly gotten better at that sort of thing. So
1: <laughs> okay. Noah so this is what's interesting for you is because I'm about to let I'll let you go into your thoughts you've actually never seen the show at all before compared to the four of us
2: no this was uh, first time for me yeah. I had um i only known about the show infamously as a studio dean show which means I knew what animation to expect out of it and a horror show with moe elements to it so the expectations were actually I didn't even know what to expect on this one and I got a lot more out of this than I thought I would
1: <laughs> the reaction he got today, I was at work and he sent a picture, oh dear sweet baby Jesus, he's like, what is this?
2: It, it was, it, to go back to the uh-huh. nail thing, it, it was the machine that a mom was referencing and I'm like, oh god, yes. oh god, oh god.
1: The thing that rips your nails out, ladies and gentlemen.
2: And the thing is that I'm not usually much for watching horror shows. Like, I don't know about you guys, uh, but um, I don't usually watch, like, um, The Crow or um, Nightmare on Elm Street or Freddy vs. Jason.
1: Nightmare on Elm, see, Nightmare on Elm Street gave me nightmares as a child. As no. in, as a horror person who loves horror, it gave me nightmares as a
0: child. I'm not really not a to... horror person at all, so I figured I would. A... No,
3: no. To pull, to pull the snob card, the fact that you ca- categorize the crow as one of the horror movies you've seen says a lot about how much horror media you've consumed.
1: And no one's like, put to his place. Uh, look, look,
3: I see. I, see uh, look, I, I Look, don't get me wrong. I entirely see what you're going for. It's definitely a thing. It's writing. It's. I, I get. But no.
2: It's not okay. You wouldn't call that a horror movie. <laughs> no, I don't but I, would, I, I get.
3: I get what you mean, though.
2: Okay, maybe it's you stuff like um, House on the Hill, or you know. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. My entire repertoire of knowledge for actual horror movies uh, entirely comes from my wife. Actually, Jennifer loves that kind of stuff, and every Friday the thirteenth, we have to watch scary movies. So, she. Nice. D- so this was something. She's, a, new she's to me. a good.
1: She's a keeper. She's definitely a keeper.
2: <laughs> yes, she's a keeper. That was up for debate, but now that you mention it, thank you, <laughs> Lilac. Speaking You're of welcome. being keepers, um, the characters in this show. I'm glad that you mentioned, Iman, that um, the cheesiness of the acting on this kind of matches with what the show itself actually is because the routes that um, they, the, the direction and writing had to go with this, Christy had the option that she could have made this more of a straightforward dramatic show in a in dub format, which honestly could have worked because there's a lot of political intrigue and familial bonds being broken and heartbreak and a lot of things that actually lend themselves to dramatic moments. But because they're so tied into this town's backwater uh, mythology and crazy people and a lot of things that lend itself to melodrama, I'm super glad that they decided to go the cheesier route instead for most of it. So when characters snap, like there's one character in particular we'll talk about who absolutely breaks she is so delightfully fun to listen to in the way that she was directed.
1: See, a lot of these characters break. You might have to be specific.
2: Well, I left it. In, I left it intentionally ambiguous because whatever gotcha. character you people in the audience were thinking of, yes, that one because (laughs) it's like all of
1: them it's all of them that's the answer all of
2: them so yeah so i also knowing the reputation of the show in uh, as far as its voice acting goes i knew that they had cast mostly unknowns in this which i thought might lend itself to amateurish sounding acting but they honestly sound like they're having fun there's a lot of scenes where it sounds flat and it, it honestly sounds like they're trying to be cheesy so, I, it doesn't really feel like a failing of the direction or the acting. It really feels like an intentional flavor that they were going for. Kind of like you said with a B-movie f- feeling.
0: Okay. Now, uh, on the note of being unknowns, like, I mean... I
1: was about to say, I'm like, Jet. I don't, I don't know if any of these are relative unknowns. There's I a mean, few I mean, that haven't done a lot.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, the, okay. there's a few that haven't done a lot. Like, granted, I'm not sure when certain people started their careers... But I know at least a couple of the people on this show had been around for a while by that point,
2: so. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I just meant um, less known than who were getting the most voice acting work in um, in the mid-2000s. Like, yeah. there's no Wendy okay, Lee fair. here, there's no Lucy Christian, there's no Monica That's Real. Fair. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: Which That's isn't it. a knock against it, it's, it's just, you have yeah. expectations going in. But um, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of the of the writing, I wanted to say something on the writing. Um, I, I don't even think that um, it's... Uh, It has my faults on it because this is one of the shoppiest matches to lip flap shows that I think I've ever seen dubbed. Like I'm watching the show and I'm used to a certain level of fidelity when it comes to matching consonants and syllables to the way that the lips are flapping. This one was just all over the place for a good chunk of the show. And that's not a Had thing because honestly with the show this goofy and melodramatic I'm okay with them being a little more loose on that but it definitely stood out a lot more when I'm looking at okay they're writing the script to try to you know sound more natural at the expense of not matching up to the syllables of the actual lip flaps I don't really think that's a problem with the writing because I don't have any faults with the way that they wrote everything everyone's Uh, says what they're supposed to. You can understand it perfectly well. It's just all going to come down to how much of that cheesy science fiction double feature kind of flavor you like in your anime. And for a show like this, like I said, which is very silly a lot of the times, I'm glad that they went with this way. I don't get this a whole lot in a lot of anime, so once in a while, this is exactly what you need.
1: Mm Mhm. Okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I'm... Probably gonna be agreeing on all of the points you guys just said here. Um, I will say the first note I wrote down when I was watching this show, and I think I was watching episode one, was right away this dub isn't the best quality in the world.
2: No, really? No. It's it's, it's no though.
1: Well, Gonkutsu is kind of part <laughs> of the top at
2: that point. I'm just yeah. I was trying to think like a random Bang Zoom dub from the same time period.
1: Fair. Um. Yeah, Higarashi is rather infamous from my understanding of being a poor dub. Now, I have seen the show. This is actually my first time watching the dub all the way through, actually. So I would never, the only other time I'd seen the dub was, we watched, the first time I watched Higarashi, it was, um, it was in a college anime club. And we put on the dub for like five minutes. Everybody freaked the fuck out because it was sounded awful to all of us, and we were like, maybe we just go back to the Japanese instead?" And we watched the rest of the show in Japanese. Um, but for a dub like this, with without the connections of like B movie and the phlo- and the Bang Zoom philosophy, because I didn't think of those before or know about them, without knowing that. The direction and writing is kind of subpar to me. There were times where it actually kind of worked and was okay. But there were other times where it didn't. Some of the times where it didn't, unfortunately, were moments where I thought... Characters could lose some of their complexity. Because there's a lot of dark stuff going on in this show. Like, we have Yakuza ritual bullshit. We have...
2: We have um, political but... people trying to sell, basically sell the town out to be drowned to get the money from the dam. There's
1: that. We have child abuse. We have, what the fuck else?
2: Kidnapping, maybe. volcano kidnapping, guessing.
1: Kidnapping, murder.
3: M- maybe an actual literal demon running around. It's unclear. Yes. Yeah, that's
2: kind of up for interpretation yeah, by they the keep, end.
3: They, they, keep, they keep that fucker up in the air the whole season.
2: <laughs> it, yeah, it's... Was it a demon it's or this... are these people just crazy? Both.
1: Both. No. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I
3: don't know how canon is that bit at the end of the second storyline where, um, oh, but... Shion shows up again after being dead.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point. <laughs> well, I mean, no, no. Of... technically, technically, it's Meon, so you were
3: sorry, Meon. On
2: yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the trouble with that in a bit. But yeah. it sounds like but, Lila, um, like, it sounds like you're not uh, you're not super on board with the the cheesier I'm actions. I'm
1: kind of in the middle with it. I while I was watching it. I was in the middle with it, and um, but with the words B movie being thrown around now, in my brain it's making sense now. <laughs> it's like actually it works as like a B movie kind of situation here. Though to be fair, there are a couple weird moments as well. Like for instance, I think I think Jet kind of brought this up maybe, where um, occasionally words get repeated in the same sentence. Mostly as like a vocal tick, I think for um, Rena and I think Rika. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That was really weird and awkward. And then one line I wrote down, which bugged the ever loving shit out of me. <coughs> T- I don't know if you guys remember this. Are you D for something?
0: Uh, <laughs> no, I do <don't. laughs>
1: I think it was when those punk kids either were confronting Keichi or maybe Shion. Oh, oh yeah,
2: yeah. In the <laughs> Are
1: you deep or something? The, I'm like, what the hell is this? The
2: the story arc right before Satoshi shows up, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah he
1: I think it was dur- I think I wanna say it was during the second story where Shion really kind of gets more introduced.
2: But, now you can't, but um, Yeah, they tried to have those gang members, um, the one gang member's got a swastika. Haircut. Yes. I
1: didn't <laughs> notice that until Noah sent the picture. I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> I, that, this that is
2: the funny. this is the second show anime I've watched this season that that has a character with a swatska on their head. The second one was in Yu Yu Hakusho. There's one of the characters in one of the fighting tournaments who just full-on swatska on his forehead.
1: God damn it! All right, but anyway, anyways, um, this I mean there are moments where it really did kind of bug me in terms of the writing and the performances. Because there are moments where cheesy turns into cringy for me. And there were quite a few moments where that it went that far. Um, but considering the direction and the route that this dub kind of ended up taking, all things considered. And also considering the dark, heavy material of the show. I mean, having this cheesy kind of B-movie kind of dub isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just, if you're someone like me, who typically likes their straight-up horror, uh, which tends to be leaning more on the serious and dramatic, because that's how my brain works, um, it may not sit well with you. If that's, I think that's the point I'm trying to make here.
2: And that's a fair assessment, because some people like fidelity in their dubs. They they like it to be a complete one-to-one translation. So so there wasn't really a B-movie element in the voice acting in the Japanese, probably. So this... this I
1: don't believe there was. It's been a few years since I've seen it, but...
2: Because the Japanese have different archetypes that can kind of handle the the level of scariness that this requires. Like high-pitched voices by female characters is not uncommon. Uh, it's much more common in the Japanese than in American, or in English voice actors. So I, I don't know how well you would have translated this with it being as faithful as some people would have wanted, but I, I do agree that that's worth noting. That's worth noting that it's yeah. an intentional choice by the directors in the dub to make it sound not like the Japanese in that regard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think overall, I think overall for me, this dub in terms of directing, and writing is kind of in the middle. It's not as infamously bad as people make it out to be, in my opinion. But it's not. I think some of what you guys are saying, it's not something to write home about, <laughs> by a yeah. long shot.
0: Yeah, it, 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 it's okay.
2: It's, okay. It, your it's right, okay. It's not as bad as its reputation made it out to be. This, there are much worse dubs. Like, you want a bad uh, English dub about a horror show with Moe characters? Watch Elfin Lead. That is a legitimately <laughs> bad oh God. dub. The, oh, boy. The, this is no Elfin Lead. This is eh, a modicrum better. This is about what you would get from uh from this kind of show in 2006 and there's
1: our halloween episode halloween
2: 2019 <laughs> no no don't do it no no god damn it i think hate... no stop be too late go back
0: pass too noah late. go back no no hopefully with any luck we can do hopefully with any luck our halloween episode could be a show that's going to be by the elvenly director wink oh. <laughs> wink not to be Because that's
1: even better. <laughs> So, I think are we good to move on? Move on to our first set of characters. Yes. yes. Okay. So let's move on to what the characters we're going to cover first are. Are basically the reoccurring village adults that we see throughout. Because Higarashi's story is very interesting because every four to six episodes the timeline just resets itself
0: it's almost like a a video game (laughs) (laughs) gee it's almost like it was based off a visual novel or something Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: anyway so we're gonna the four first four characters we're gonna really cover is going to be four of the adults that we see the most often among these these spare storylines so the first four characters we're going to discuss we have detective oishi uh detective who investigates the murders and disappearances in hinamizawa um for um, wow or, or, or orish- wow
2: oh wow, curse is very real thank you. he's coming thank for you. you lilac
1: thank you uh we also have kiosuke Ire, who is the who is the local doctor we have Mio Takano, who is a nurse at that local clima- clinic. However, she's more than what she appears to be as she keeps doing some research into the mysteries of Hinamizawa. And then we have Jiro Tomitake, who is a, pho- a photographer from Tokyo, uh, who will frequently visit Hinamizawa to take photographs and kind of just gets himself mixed up in a lot of stuff. I.e., he gets murdered a lot.
0: He's our yep. ob- he's our obligatory victim. <laughs>
1: He is an obligatory victim for this fifth year of the Cotton Drifting Festival. Uh, as for the individuals voicing these characters, as Detective Oishi, we have Jim Demuki, Joe Demuki—my bad—who has been in series such as Moribito: Guardian of a Spirit, Tweeny Witches, and Kite's Liberator. I found out.
2: Wow, you're really going for the obscure references there.
1: Yeah. Um, as EDA, we have Dave Mallow, who has been in series such as JoJo's Bizar- Bizarre Adventure. I'm trying to combine adventure and bizarre; it's not working. JoJo's,
2: Adar Jojo's yeah, Bizarre
0: JoJo's yes. Bizarre Adventure.
2: Directed by Wes Anderson.
1: Al- God damn it! He was also in Scrap Princess, and Hardy would kill me if I if he,
2: <laughs> you if had he didn't to do this. this. You had
1: Apocalypse to- Zero. <laughs>
2: You were going with the respectable stuff there, and then all of a sudden just left. All of a sudden, Apocalypse
1: Zero. <laughs> this is how my brain works, boys and girls, because it's Halloween, everyone. That, that's like uh, that's like
2: lifting like a, actors' legitimate roles, and then finishing off the cast list with their first porn role. <laughs>
1: I'm not going to say <laughs> anything to that. As Mio Takano, we have Karen Strassman, who has been in series such as Hellsing Ultimate, Gonkutsuo, and Monster. And then as Jiro Tomitake, we have Kyle Hebert, who has been in Blue Exorcist, Daigon Rappa 3, and Terra for Mars. Amon, what are your thoughts on these four performances and these characters? Uh,
3: this is a nice little set of performances. Uh, that have to, they unfortunately have to work within the limitations that two of them basically exist to get murdered a lot.
2: Uh, No, I'm sorry, only one does. Uh, Yeah, one of them really does. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Let's face it, one of them really does. One of them gets murdered a lot.
2: There is one arc, I think, where all four of these characters die.
1: No. Only, I think think only three of them do. I think Detective Oishi doesn't He doesn't,
2: you're right. He survives somehow.
1: Yeah, but Irie does, talk, Takano and Jiro essentially are the two quote-unquote big victims of yeah. Orishiro, Orishiro's curse. Because
2: they're outsiders, and this, this uh, whole show has a big fascination with outsiders are not to be trusted.
1: Right.
3: Yeah. There's a, there's a lot in here about, you know, you know, the people in the country are going to go circle the wagons and keep out, keep out them other people.
2: We, we,
0: uh, but
3: we don't
2: take kindly to them photographer types around these parts.
3: Exactly. Uh, yes, um, basically there are there's some nice performances marred by the fact that some of them don't show up all that often, uh, or, and, or they often have to kind of be like exposition dumps, but, uh, I thought they were nice, they were nice roles, um, start from the bottom, uh, I'll start with the ju- Jurio. Giles Kyle's nice as uh, he doesn't do much, he sound, he's pleasant enough, and then he kind of gets unceremoniously killed off every, <laughs> every, like, three to four episodes, <laughs>
1: Every time.
2: <laughs> Every time. Say, you could say he's gone in a flash. Hey!
1: Damn it. Shut up, Noah.
2: Okay.
3: <laughs> Noah, I they, love you. Noah, they already cast me as the Crypt Keeper. You can say all the puns you want.
2: I Damn mo- it! I... Don't give
1: him that power.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, Anyways, um... oh God, I, I'm ashamed. I haven't really seen much of, the, of um, Tales from the Crypts. So I don't have many jokes ready.
3: Don't worry about it. Um... Kyle's nice as Jiro. He doesn't he doesn't have a lot to do for the most part, uh, at least in this season. But like he was nice when he was on screen. He he gave the character what it needed. Uh, same kind of thing with uh, Dave as Doctor Irie, He's you know he 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 you at least buy him as a good doctor. Like he you know during the I forget what arc it's in, but there's the one where. Uh, Kaiji is like confessing what he's done, and he's like very calm and reassuring. And then... the
2: bloody eye arc, I think, is what's called.
3: Yeah, I think that sounds right. Uh, you know, he, he 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 sells the character on what he needs to do. Um, who else? Uh, uh, I did I did enjoy Karen as uh, Takano a lot, although mostly for that one arc where she finds Keiichi walking home in the rain, <laughs> and she is she is a, she is a hundred percent up to something real bad.
2: Did you bury yeah. the body?
3: <laughs> yeah, she she is she is a hundred percent of this something real bad that at least in this season we don't quite find out about. And she did a very good job of selling uh selling the like you know, very calm pleasantness that we'd seen in her character in the other arcs while also creeping in just enough menace. Uh to be like, you know, did you bury the body?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, she she I, I thought
3: she, she 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 only really has that one time to shine, I think, in the show, but I thought she played that very nicely. Um, but I think, sort of by default, the standout in this section is uh, uh, Joe playing Detective Oishi because he shows up the most, and weirdly enough, gets to actually play range because Oishi is not—he is not portrayed the same way across the various arcs. Uh, no, most, his
1: personality like, tends to change.
3: Yeah, no, he, he's, which is he's, interesting. He is generally a good guy with, assuming Cage, he's like at the center of it. Usually has a good relationship, but that's not always consistent. And I did like seeing him being able to switch from being, like, more of, like, a confidant and a partner for Keiichi, all the way to the other end of, uh, I think, again, it's the bloody IR where he is just a complete dick to everybody. Oh, yeah. Just, like, just the most corrupt small-town cop you have ever encountered. Uh, and I thought he he did very well, like, being able to... Obviously, he's not quite switching between those, but I thought he did a good job of making that all feel like the versions of the same character in mm. these very different scenarios and circumstances. Uh, so I enjoyed him a lot. Uh, I also, I, I know we're not going to talk about that character, but I enjoyed, uh, I also really enjoyed the very short arc where he's working with the detective from Tokyo who was...
1: Oh, Patrick Seitz? Yeah, that
3: was Patrick Seitz. Okay, I was... That, I, was, I enjoyed, that
1: was Patrick
0: Seitz.
3: Yeah, that was Patrick I particularly enjoyed that little arc. I thought they in particular played off each other really well. and. Yeah. I don't know how you would like the that arc, but I'm kind of sad we didn't get more of that interaction because I thought that was really fun for those like that short two or three episode story arc. That was a lot of fun to watch.
1: Jet, how do you feel about these four performances?
0: <clears throat> okay, um, so I'll start with Kyle Hibbert since I don't have a whole ton to say here. um Jiru isn't really in the show much, and he gets killed off pretty early, so Kyle doesn't really get a whole ton to do. <clears throat> Um, but for the screen time he had, he was able to make Jiro, you know, seem like a pretty regular dude, which, uh, more or less seemed to be his role here as a victim, so I appreciate that. Um, going to Oishi, I'm a little familiar with Joe Dimucci for his role in Hot Hunter, Hunter, and his voice is distinctive enough that I could tell it was him as Oishi almost immediately. And I like that the voice he gives Oishi is, you know, very gruff in a way that feels like. You know, he's channeling the police from an old noir movie or, you know, like, Scruff McGruff or something. <laughs> and the four... That's nice. I like that.
2: That's great. Talk about
0: a jump in genres. Wow. Damn, okay. I love
1: that. Uh,
0: and, uh, you know, the former of those two kind of fits the material, so it was fun to listen to. Uh, of course, while he does play Oichi fairly by the book, you can also tell, you know, there's just something a little shady about him. Uh, was willing to do those moments where he's willing to use the kids to help solve the murders, or that one timeline where he's an antagonist for no real reason. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I liked Joe quite a bit. and I thought he was one of the more distinct voices in the in the dub. Uh, likewise, I really enjoyed Karen Strassman as a clearly not at all shady nurse who does you know. Perfectly normal things like asking teenagers. Really not if, at if, all evil. You know, uh, you know, she knows perfectly normal things like asking teenagers if they bury dead bodies or you know doing a bunch of weird research. Uh, um, and uh, while she's not known for it as much as some other actresses, uh, Kara's really good at playing you know femme fatale character types. And while I don't know if Takano quite qualifies, uh, she does play her with a mix of sultriness, mystery, and just a little hint of danger, which makes her a delight to listen to and definitely one of the stronger performances here. I kinda wish the dub had gotten to season 2 so I could've heard how she sounded there since since Takano does a lot more in that season, Uh, but for what we got, I enjoyed her. And then lastly for Dave Mallow and Dr. Irie, this one was kinda on the weaker end for me. I've heard Dave Mallow in other things, and while I do generally enjoy his work, uh, his voice sounds kinda naturally dramatic so I feel like you have to be very particular about where you cast him. And uh, in this case, casting him as a young, you know, mildly eccentric doctor didn't quite work for me since he sounded just a little bit too old for the character. And I felt like his voice maybe gave him a little bit more presence than he kind of needed to have. And uh, it didn't help that some of his line reads sounded a little bit flat in a couple of areas, and while I blamed that a little bit more on the direction, it did kind of dampen things for me a bit. I mean, but for what it's worth, it was perfectly listenable, and uh, while it's definitely not among my favorite performances in the show, it was, you know, fine. So, basically, three out of four get a pass for me. Noah?
2: Two out of four, that's practically 50%. He said three out of four. I said three out of four. Three out of four, that's practically 75%. So 75. Well, I I guess I'm, I'm a little easier to please on that end, because all four of these characters are... Essential to the plot and all sound distinct enough from each other that I didn't have any qualms, like none of them made me want to switch over to the Japanese track, which is kind of the test you used to indicate, is this actor doing a good job? Where with Kyle Hebert, he doesn't have very much interesting content, uh, like his most dynamic thing he does is... Uh, convince some of the characters to go into the sh- sacred tool shed that they're not supposed oh, to go God. into. The, the,
1: the ritual tool shed. The
2: ritual tool shed, which I had to write down the phrase because I'm like, okay, tool sheds are very important, but not so much to the point that you would like call them spiritual or holy or anything like that. But or torture filled. <laughs> but in this case, considering what they've got in their in their torture shrines, then I, I, yeah, I guess you would want to keep everyone out of those tool sheds. So, um, when Kyle uh, has to convince some of the character, has to, convinces some of the characters, let's go check out what's inside there. It's malicious, but it's very normal sounding. You kind of buy him as a normal guy from not around these parts. And they don't even, they don't give him like an accent like nobody has like a hick accent really to make it sound like they're from like a backwater part of the country.
0: Uh, there's a couple of bit characters that bit, too, but that's a no star.
2: Bit characters, yes, but I'm talking. We're just the ones we're talking about. No one's given much of an accent, so Kyle's role fit it perfectly fine. It was kind of interchangeable. Like I could easily see like any voice actor really fitting into this part, and you wouldn't really lose or gain very much from it. So, I, I guess that in itself is kind of a knock against Kyle's acting, but I, I, again, it didn't make me want to change the, the sound at all. And I really didn't want to change the sound at all on Karen Strassman, because, oh my god, this woman, so much fun to listen to. Each of the characters has, of these four, has distinct voices and distinct ways of speaking. And like you said, Jet, she's got a bit of a sultry uh, speaking voice to her, in not just the scene where she's driving... Keiichi back uh, after his murder spree, but also um, there's a part in the um, in the arc that's focused primarily on Shion and Mion, where she's kind of talking to Shion about um, researching the legends of the town and about the the oh, yeah. sinister things that happened. And she gets really same, into same it. Fi-
1: she kind of does the same thing with um, a flashback during the final arc with uh, Rena. As
2: yeah, well. yeah. So her. Me- yeah, her mentality is you—you you don't know what she's up to, and that's good because this is a show where you don't know what's up with a couple of characters. This entire first season is entirely made up of questions that will get no answers. So Karen's deliciously sinister-sounding voice, while still being kind of nice-sounding, like, uh, like not at in, not evil-sounding, it's just sinister, is a lot of fun to listen to. So I like that a whole lot. Uh, Dave Mallo's uh, doctor slash baseball coach slash good uncle character. He, he's like a relative of the uh, the Hojo family, I think, which is why he, no, he's not. But he's so he's just a friend of theirs, right? Yeah. Okay, because there's um, what was it was it not Satoshi? It Sa- wasn't. Uh,
1: yeah, Satoshi was on the baseball team.
2: No, no, I mean uh, Sadako. That's who it was. Like he he laments the fact that Sadako is not you know, or has to spend time with her apparently awful aunt and uncle. And in doing so, he kind of, the voice that David gives him is sort of nice and not really all that menacing at all, which is flatter than I guess I would have wanted it to be. I would have liked a little more dynamic personality out of this. But we're supposed to believe that he's also a professional medical person who's you know is serious enough and cares about our people so I guess they wanted to just give him a nice guy voice which is you know what they did here he does some slightly sinister things in that one arc with KG where uh, Keiichi goes a little crazy I guess <clears throat> in that part I would have liked him uh, to get more it, it get a little more crazy in that part but th- they wanted to keep him sounding like a nice professional so I guess I can't fault him too much on that one. But I and I certainly can't fault uh, Joe's performance as Detective Oishi because that is the most fun part. He's just got this naturally enjoyable gruff sound to him that is um, really fitting for the character. Not just because the character is always seen smoking, is always like a hard-nosed middle-aged guy who's really close to pension. Like he keeps mentioning that he is not throwing away his pension on you guys, but uh, he's also like. Nose-to-the-grindstone kind of voice that's a lot of fun to listen to and we have no other voices like this in the entire cast so it was good that they got that one voice that was Naturally sounding like this instead of trying to get like one of the younger actors to like put on a veneer of sounding older It's like no, let's get an actual middle-aged voice actor in here to sound middle-aged It has a nice color to his performance all of them do their job some of them don't make it to the end but in the end, they're good window dressing for the main characters who we'll talk about in a bit.
1: Good bloody window dressing.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um Okay. So my quick thoughts. So Jiro Tomitake, Kyle Hebert, he's there and then dies. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, he's back. And then he then
2: dies. And then he's back. And then dies. And then he's back,
1: and he's back again. And... and then he dies. Uh, here's the thing with with Jiro And I kind of find it interesting You brought this up Noah Because I actually have to disagree a little bit here So you, Based on your thoughts And your impressions on the performance You had a suspicion that Jiro kind of Was, la- was like kind of Deceiving the kids And trying to get them into the ritual tool shrine
2: not decei- here's- Well not deceiving so much to the point that, that he does not respect the rules That everybody else in the town does because he's right. not from the town.
1: Right. But it's true. But I think the motivations... Because if we're taking Jiro and um, Miss Takano here... Um, I think Jiro's reasons and motivations for going to the Tool Shrine might be at least... Or more, Probably more out of a... Satisfy his own curiosity. More of like an innocent curiosity compared to Takano. Who... Takano I think is... The sneakiest, evilest thing in the entire known universe, um, where she has her ulterior motives with this research that she's been working on, uh, that we kind of see bits and pieces of throughout the entire show, and these various arcs. Um, I don't really have any th- much else in terms of Jiro because Jiro is alive and then dead in like the same <laughs> episode, <laughs> like every like arc or so. Uh, but I do like it. He's he's Kyle's Jiro is non-assuming is unassuming. That's the word I'm looking for. Unassuming. Okay. Innocent, which I think works for this character, which makes for his death every single time a surprise. Um, as for Dave Mallow and Dr. Irie, th- I'm so sorry to say this. This performance is so forgettable for me.
2: What performance?
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I almost fell into that trap. Um, it's, I don't, I, I have like no notes on Dave Mallow or Kyle Heberia's performances, but I barely remember Dave Mallow's performance and I just finished the show yesterday.
2: Now you mean you don't remember like what his acting was like or you don't remember anything that uh, Dr. Uriah actually does in the show?
1: Well, mix of both.
2: Oh, that's, that, that is a that's bit not, of a detriment.
1: Like, that's a bit of a detriment here. The last thing you want to um, be
2: is forgettable.
1: Hmm. So it's a bit. It's a little bit of both. Um. I remember small bits and pieces. I remember that one scene where where were they? Where it was after the water gun fight, and then they're at Angel Mort and all of a sudden, Mion, Satoko, and um, Rika are in these costumes serving food, and Doctor Irie just kind of jumps in like, "Hey, <laughs> Satoko, I will take Satoko home with me. She is adorable." And then comedy ensues. Ha ha. hee Um, this man might potentially be a bit of a pervert for children, uh, (laughs) which is kind of unsettling. But, um, yeah, the performance for Irie is unfortunately a pretty forgettable, very forgettable. And I think it's partially because of the performance, but partially because of the character itself. Um, as for Detective Oishi, Oishi, I'm, I actually have to say I'm in the middle on this one. I'm not the biggest fan of the performance that Joe gave on this one. But I'm also, like, it's not a weak performance either. I mean, sure, it's gruff and everything like that, but there are points where, for me, it I wasn't quite sold on Joe as the detective. Uh, I think I specifically wrote that note around... What episode is this? Episode 10? So it's during the second arc. Um... But I do appreciate, what I do appreciate and what I enjoy a lot, and I'm glad you guys brought it up, was all those personality switches that he goes through every single arc. Those are a lot of fun. Like, all of a sudden he becomes a complete dirtbag to the kids at one point. It's like, what the fuck? I forgot this was a thing. Um, but for the most part, it's Joe's performance is kind of in the middle. I wasn't quite sold on him half the time, and other times it's like, okay, I can get behind this. I actually have to really give kudos to Karen Strassman. I think for me, Karen Strassman is the standout here um, as Takano because you can tell very easily, probably after maybe, after maybe one encounter with her, that she has something up her sleeve. Like she's plotting something like she's, she has a very dark tone to her voice that can almost come off as a cunning, almost evil kind of tone. Which is very interesting to me. Um, compared to some of the other side characters. And it feels like Takano... There's a lot more to Takano than what we probably know about her in the show. Um, but overall, I mean, for me, Karen's definitely the standout. And then Dave Mal, unfortunately, because of a mix of the performance and the character, EDA is just not that memorable to me. But... I enjoy these four wonderful, wonderful characters. I think we're good to move on. Are we good to move on now?
2: Yep. Yeah, we've killed these these uh, performances, but I mean, we, we've absolutely murdered it here. But I mean, we're, we're I done be- talking about them.
1: Stop, stop <laughs> digging your hole. Stop digging your hole. Stop digging your hole. Don't light it on fire. No, right.
2: Detective Oishi won't let me go until I get to the bottom of this. <laughs> he told me to keep digging.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we got, all right. So we got a bunch of little girls to talk about before we get to the oh big kahuna here.
2: <laughs> as, so many little girls, unfortunately. As you do in an um, anime.
1: Hmm. So we're going to put, or we were considering leaving these two separate, but we're going to put these two together instead. Because uh, they are best friends. They also live with each other.
2: They, they well, would die for each other.
1: Honestly, Dang it. they probably would. <laughs> Dang
2: it. Look, they everyone, do- look, every one thing comes up to death eventually in the show. We won't tell
0: you everyone. how or where. Fucking die! Wait, I think no. am pretty sure. Wait, doesn't Oishi live through every arc?
1: <laughs> I think Oishi's the only character that probably lives.
2: He, yeah, he
1: every single arc. At
2: least in the first season. I don't know. Maybe he dies at the end of all of the seasons two arcs. I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, but the point. I'm, I'm having flashbacks now. I'm, I'm having King's Game flashbacks because everybody fucking died. <laughs>
2: We do we do not speak of the King's Game episode or not the episode, but we don't talk of that show, (laughs) Lilac.
1: Too late, too late. It it already happened. Anyway, Rika Furuda and Satoko Hojo. These two are the youngest of the uh, major characters of the series. Uh, Rika is part of a shrine. One of the big. One of the big three families of the of Hinamizawa. Uh, Her family in particular, though they are the priests or protectors of the shrine, local shrine there. Uh, With Rika being an orphan after her parents uh, end up murdered as part of the Oyashiro curse. I believe it was two years prior to the start of the series, if I'm right. Um, and she. She's not. She's the only. She's the only living heir left of the Furude family, and possibly possessed by a demon. <laughs> possibly.
2: She's possessed by the demon of cats. Cat demons.
1: Meow. <laughs> <laughs> there's something go. There's something very much deeper going on with her that's never fully explored in the first season. Um, as for Satoko Hojo, she is another one of the younger characters in the show. Uh, she, throughout the entirety of the show, she is deemed as the Cursed Child. Uh, because her, let's see, after, let's see, the second year, so the second year of the Cotton Drifting Festival and the Odashiro curse Problem, her parents end up dying after falling off of a cliff. And then the fourth year, which is the year prior to present day, um, her aunt ends up dead, and then her older brother, Satoshi, ends up disappearing. So she, for all intents and purposes, is an orphan as well. Uh, she also, for the longest time, was dealing with abuse from her aunt and uncle. Uh, but she, in most of, in the majority of the show, she and Rika do live together and are the bestest of friends. And Rika, between the two of them, Rika is the cute Moe Moe character versus Satoko, who, who is the, it's a mix of, like, today and also trying to grow up too fast kind of deal, if that makes sense.
2: I mean, she's kind of got the, um, that infantile uh, appeal to her where, you know, it's a character that you need to protect, which is, of course, the entire Moe phenomenon. I want to protect this character.
1: Pretty much. All right, so the two individuals voicing these characters as Rika Furude, we have Miss Reba West, who has been in series such as Bottle Fairy, Robotech, and Gatekeepers 21. As for Satoko, we have Minx Lee, who has been in series such as Rose and Maiden*, Edeka Seven, and *Excel World.
2: I so, swear you're just making up names at this point. You're making up shows at this point. I could point.
1: be. I, pfft, I'm not making up shows at this point. These are legit. Uh, Amon, how do you feel about Reba? How do you feel about Reba makes his performances here? Robotech? Yes. yes. Nice. I, I know, Like that doesn't yeah. even
2: sound real. I think she's just making that yes, one up. Yes, Robotech.
1: I, I've watched no Robotech.
2: It's a real show. Are you sure?
1: Robotech, a.k.a. Super Dimension Fortress Macross, which she is the exact same character.
3: Dude, I don't know who, but somebody was syndicating that in New England when I was a kid. I definitely saw, like, a good 10-episode stretch of that when I was a kid. Anyways, I don't know who it was either. Anywho. Um,
1: (laughs) No one knows who it was.
3: uh, So, um, as I said at the top of the show, the moe moe cute voices in English, especially this time, are a little off and on and uh here we have a couple of examples of that um i'll start with the one who has less of it poor poor sadako who doesn't <laughs> do a single bad thing in 26 episodes no and gets nothing but misery for
2: it no no you would cross a she bridge she is for the, most tormented, you are, you, you the
1: are, most tormented child is the most tormented child
2: no
3: i'm glad you brought up the like I want to protect the aspect of Moe characters. It's like, yeah, I fucking do. What did this girl do to deserve all this? (laughs) She was great.
2: You were born. God damn
3: it. (laughs) Poor Sadako. Um, I I, I thought, Minx, I thought, um, did a reasonably nice job with Sadako. Like, you, you spend... At least a couple of the storylines, mostly just feeling bad for Sonico because she just wants to be a happy child, and the universe said no.
2: Please, <laughs> sir, you know, may I have a note? May I have some more?
3: Pretty much. Um, she's like she's like generally pretty fine when it comes to kind of like Sonico just be you know during the comedy bits where she gets to just be a child. Um, but I do I do think she does to stand out during the parts where Sonic like she really has to. Emote on how Sadako is just not having a fun time with things these days. Her brother vanished. She has to live with her shitty, abusive uncle. In some versions, she gets to watch one of her friends either apparently murder a friend of hers or murder her. But I she, I, I, do think she's, she sells me on the character pretty well. Like, I think she is able to get the emotions across even when she's doing kind of the I mean, she's not as moe-moe as some of the other characters in this show, but she's go, goes a little bit there. But I do think she's able to emote through that pretty effectively. I there was never like any time like thing bad things are happening, Sadako. I was never not feeling for her. Um, she's you know she she did well on nailing that aspect of empathy of like this is just some kid who didn't ask for any of this. I would really rather not deal with it. Um, It was a little heartbreaking sometimes. Especially in the, I forget the name of it, but the one that's mostly about Shion. that one in particular, was uh, a good performance and also a really upsetting scene where um, she kicks it. Uh, Nice. Yeah, yeah. I I, I did enjoy her performance. Um, Rebob a little more, like she she does, like Rika does a lot of the Moe Moe voice part because she's supposed to be like, what is she like eight? How old is she?
0: Yeah, I think I, around how that. Old, I think however old Sadako is. All right, uh, which
3: is like probably she,
0: around seven,
1: eight years old. Yeah,
3: exactly. Um, so she's like you know she does the moemoi Moe thing, and she's always supposed to be a really little kid, anyways. Um, and I thought like she did that, like it was it was fine. It had the kind of flaws we were talking about at the top of the show. Um, but I did really like when like weird shit starts happening to Rika and she would just drop down to an uh, like a normal ass adult woman voice. <laughs> I actually like I actually thought that worked legitimately really well just because of the sharp contrast between like the really high pitched cutesy kid voice she'd use and then it's like something is talking through me and you don't know what it is but you should shut up and pay attention because
1: it's yeah be important.
3: Like I do I do think that contrast worked really well. I don't know if they I like i said i can't remember if i've seen this in japanese so i don't recall if they pulled that trick there as well uh but whether that was taken from there in Invention to be dub i i did really enjoy that i thought that was very effective and I, d- I thought it worked very well like i thought especially in those moments given that a lot of them is often just her kind of monologuing or giving a speech about something i thought she pulled those i thought she those were really good in my opinion i thought she played them very well and i thought they she did a good job she did a good job of allowing the character to be enthralling and not boring when she was just, you know, kind of monologuing something vague or ominous, Um, which I I enjoyed a lot. I I thought at least those scenes were some of the, often some of the stronger dialogue parts in the episodes they show up in. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, like, these have their flaws, but I do think the actors were able to do good stuff of what they were given,
0: regardless. Okay. Jet. Okay. So, I thought Enrico... I'm kind of half and half on Rika. Um, uh, she sounded like a little rough in the beginning, but uh, she, I mean, you know, especially when it comes to doing the whole bully girl boy girl voice thing. Uh, but I thought she got better, you know, with time and was eventually able to make it sound relatively smooth, even if it didn't get um, quite as natural as I would have liked. <coughs> However, I did it a lot better when we got to see hints of Rika's hidden personality and... And like Amanda was saying, you know, the deeper tone uh, when we got a lot of those moments. And I'm thinking that's, like, probably closer to what her natural voice sounds like, so I guess that worked better. And, uh, um, well, definitely a lot better than when she was playing up the whole cutesy persona. Uh, but the big standout moment for me was probably when she was fighting off Sheon the Psycho and, um, the performance <laughs> team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the performance team managed to give off when, you know, she just decided, eh, hey, screw it, and you know, off herself, was honestly a lot scarier than she had attacking her in the first place. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. here, he, small context. So, w- the scene that Jeff specifically is referring to here, the opening for the second arc of the show is just that small bit where Rika decides to take the knife and stab her neck with it, and you don't fucking know why. And it's like, what the shit? And then we find out in what the... Th- third or fourth arc at that point what this real story is for it it's kind yep. of it's kind of insane it's like what
0: yeah I mean I mean and even that day even that day still don't give me the full context I mean you can right. maybe guess it but <laughs>
1: you can you might be able to get some kind of idea but yeah you don't know the full context
0: yeah yeah, so anyway, yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty good, and I also really enjoyed her narration for the next episode previews. I was uh, about because... to say that's
1: her, isn't it? I, I yeah, picked up on it part way through that was Rika.
0: Said, yeah, uh, but there was one well where I couldn't tell if it was Rika or say, if it was Rika or Rena, but yeah, it was definitely Rika. R- Rika, my bad. Uh, but anyway, I really enjoyed her narration during the next episode previews because. There wasn't too much in the show that felt genuinely creepy to me, but her delivery for those actually gave me some chills every now and then. Uh, it kind of makes me wish season two had gotten dubbed, since Rika plays a much bigger role in that season. But for what we got here, uh, it was pretty okay. And um, you know, this performance had its flaws, but I um, I enjoyed it for the most part. It was it was fine. And um, so as for uh, Mitsuhisa Sonico, um. So, out of all the girls here, I think she sounded the most convincing when it came to doing the whole cutesy boy-girl voice thing. Uh, I don't know if she quite nailed down all the mannerisms, since I recall Sanako Seiyuu having, like, a pretty unique voice. Uh, But I can definitely find that she was a child. And it's good, of course, because Sanako is a child and a very, very, very troubled child.
1: Oh Uh, god, please someone save this child.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah. So yeah, so while the execution is a little overly dramatic and melodramatic in some places, I do appreciate that her arc is taken the most seriously, considering it centers around child abuse. And I really got into the performance during that moment, during that moment in her arc where she's in the classroom having a sudden breakdown. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and the level of pain she was in, just that, really kind of in my heartstrings a little bit. And um, I also liked her a little, and I also liked her delivery during. Uh, during Shion's arc, where she's having some quality torture time with Shion. Oh, God! <laughs> Stabbing she, stab time.
2: Happy, happy yep. joy, joy, happy, happy stabby, joy.
0: Stabby, stabby <laughs> joy. stab, stab. Yep, yep, and, uh, and I really like how, you know, she manages to she manages to acknowledge that maybe she leads a little bit too much on her brother while also calling out how pathetic of a person Sheon is. And, uh, the way Biggs was able to make both have some of that sound very sincere was honestly pretty satisfying. I mean, outside of those moments, she sounded kinda of a little rough, which is why I can't say I was, like, super impressed by this. Uh, but she was definitely one of these soccer performances in the main cast to me.
1: Alright, Noah, how do you feel about these performances?
0: Well, I, I'd just like to
2: confess that I'm, I'm really disappointed that they didn't get actual child actors for this role. What with this being oh, such God. a family-friendly kind of anime, I, I why didn't they get real eight-year-olds <laughs> to voice Rika and Sadako?
1: Because having eight-year-olds voice characters being maimed and... Abused and killed is a great idea, Noah.
2: They they got a real little kid to play the kid from Grave of the Fireflies. But yeah. they're
1: not being tortured, are they?
0: I mean, um, as a, yeah. I mean, as a, I mean uh, Aaron Dismuke was eight when he did for Alchemist,
2: and that's pretty torturous. <laughs> yeah, look at him now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look at him now. Oh no! What are you trying to say? One more
2: for the bus. For the bus. <laughs> I'm sorry, Aaron. We love you. Look, we do love you. You're great. I'm just Josh. You're a great human being. Wait, wait, wait. Anyway, Noah. Yeah, so obviously um, in the situation of not casting actual um, children to voice children in this one, they have the conundrum of how to do the voices in this one because the Moe voice that both Satoko and Rika pull off in the Japanese is not really an archetype that we have in America. There's just not an equivalent to it. So it sounds a bit forced when both Reba and Minx have to do their cutesier voices. Rika in particular, like, especially during the time-wasting arc, she, like, has, like, this, you know, cat sound that she makes whenever she's hanging out with a detective that comes from Tokyo that's supposed to be cute, but, you know, it's just... It, it kind of depends on how much you can stomach. Um, it's not really, like... I can't think of a better way to have done that in English. It's just kind of something that you either have it or you don't. And I think, like, maybe 1% of English voice actors that we've heard so far can actually pull it off convincingly. So, again, carves kind of stacked against Reba in that regards. But, on the plus side, Rika's uh, role is supposed to be a mix of between both the cutesier little girl and also the last survivor of the Farade family. So, she has to be serious sounding, like especially when she confronts Shion about, um, like, Orishiro's curse isn't about hurting people, you know, it's if you're just sorry about it, then that's all you need. You don't need to distinguish yourself. What's wrong with you? So Rika uh, Reba's performance for the whole thing is honestly a lot of fun to listen to for the kind of English role that they're going for because it's distinct from all the other female voices and it's dramatic where it needs to be especially in the scenes where she kind of doesn't survive any longer um and i think it it hits that melodramatic point just well enough uh without being unbelievable like unbelievable in the sense that i do not believe this was happening um especially like in the, um, the arc where Um, Keiichi, uh, sneaks into the tool shed of doom and she's kind of concerned about breaking the rules. Like it's obviously, she's very passionate about it and I appreciate that Reba's acting never gets so, uh, unbelievable to the point that I don't enjoy listening to it. Like again, I didn't want to switch the audio tracks in this one at all. Um, I understand that Rika's got more of a bigger role in the second season, uh, for this one right here because it's distinct from the other voices and because she uh, just sounds like she's having fun with it i can recommend this enough for people who are more used to english voices and same thing with uh, minx's performance as sadako it's it sounds the, the lesser of the cutesier because she doesn't try to uh tip into the over the top voice too much she just keeps a consistent falsetto voice throughout that is really uh, supposed to be reminiscent of a little sister character, like, you know, the kind that you, you feel bad for. And you're like, I, I just want to put her in my pocket and take her home with me. Whatever happened? What, what did she ever do to deserve all of this? But um, there are parts where she gets serious and she was pretty well directed on those parts. Like the scene where um, she's like she's punishing herself for everything bad that happened by like drowning, not drowning herself. But she's like been in the hot tub for uh, like what she's trying to count to a thousand or something like that and she kind of...
1: Oh, the bathtub, yeah. Yeah, she's kind
2: of reali- she's kind of self-punishing herself. Those are the, the level of dramatic melodramatic points that uh, kind of makes the show uh, enjoyable to listen to. Uh, again, if they try to go for a more dramatic role, like a believably dramatic voice, where she was like um, not over the top at some points, then I don't think it would be nearly as enjoyable. And this is a show that has a lot of... I'm not going to call them plot holes, but a lot of contrivances to try to get things as bad as they need to be. Like, uh, one bad thing happened to someone, and, like, ooh, ooh, instantly, like, just because Mion didn't get the doll in one scene, oh, all of a sudden she's a psychopathic killer. How did that happen? Or in Sadako's case, um, one character um, got rid of her brother and, like, oh, I'm pushing you off of a bridge now. How did that happen? However, these two, their acting is good, and I'm guess I'm going to say that I can't really think of a better way I would have done this. You know, if you're going to get one chance to be cheesy and melodramatic and cutesy moe voices that also happen to be psychopath killers, this is as far as you go.
1: I'll start with Satoko because I actually, this is one of the few performances I actually kind of enjoyed quite a bit Um, from the show. It wasn't in the middle of the road, it was leaning, it's leaning more towards, oh, I actually kind of like this. Um, Because she fit the archetype that Satoko is actually very well. Like, this this child who's trying to be mature and all grown up, thinking she's all grown up. Like, look at me! I can make my own dinner! I can take care of myself! Ha 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 ha! That kind of thing. Um, and I think for Minx Lee, it actually works rather well for her. And, um, then when those moments we have where Satoko essentially breaks as well, with the abuse going on and all this other... Fun stuff she gets to deal with. I actually, honestly, really enjoyed that as well because you got to see. If we hadn't known all that stuff about her by the time to- before we got to the arc where Satiko is one of the main presences in the in the in the um, storyline, you wouldn't be able to tell at first that hey, this kid is actually like has a bunch of walls built up, has some trust issues. She wants. She has some trust issues. She has some, um, uh, what's the correct way to put this? It's mostly trust issues, if anything. She has this wall built up where she's trying to protect herself from everything that's going on around her. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be present at first without going into the story of her past and the abuse that she has gone through and all this other stuff. So I think minxley performs those sides of this, char- of this of Sotico's character pretty well. Um, Rika and Reba. So there are three characters where I have an issue with the performances. Rika is one of them. Most of it comes down to the voice to me not com- matching very well with the character design.
2: The character Rika. design? Okay.
1: Yep. Rika's is the biggest contender of this, because this is a little girl. And there are times where Reba makes Rika sound older than she really should be. Granted, this is through at least a good chunk of the earlier parts of the show. Because, however, the thing I got we got to remember and put in mind here are those moments where Reba does suddenly take on an omnipresent tone to her voice, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Because of... What seems to be like she's possessed by something, or she heard, the, or has a split, excuse me, or has a split personality, or knows more than what she's leading us to believe about the entire situation. Because remember, during that episode with um with Patrick Sides, the uh, Patrick Sides, the te- with Officer Patrick Sides going on here, the time wasting arc. Yes, time wasting <laughs> arc, where he meets. Uh, he meets Rika, and they stand and look out at everything. It's just towards the end of it. Rika explains to him like all of the deaths in order. She basically foretells, has like this premonition about these f- occurring deaths, including her own. And that's oh, a yeah. very that's a very interesting plot point. Never addressed again outside of that episode that Rika, I guess, is very in tune with Oreshiro to the point where she can make these predictions and she knows exactly who's going to die, including herself. And she knows a lot more about this whole time loop problem than what is being led led to believe. Um, Which, with the omnipresent tone that Rika does display, I think Reba does very well with that. It's the cute moe part with that tone of voice matching the character design, that's where the majority of my critique comes from on this one. Um, but otherwise than that, I honestly... I got it, it, came, it came into its own. It was definitely a lot smoother by the end of the show. Um, and I am very disappointed and sad that we probably won't ever see a sequel season for the dub. Um, only just to kind of hear the progression. Because I haven't seen Higurashi, Kai, or Rei either. And I'm interested in the progression of Rika as a character and knowing yeah. more about her.
0: Yeah, uh, it, yeah. Uh, if you're curious, they, they literally explain what Rika's dealing in the very first episode of season two. Oh,
1: <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> now I know what I'm going to watch on my next days off. Yeah. Sweet. I watched that for Halloween. Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm off on Halloween. This is great. Nice. Um, but yeah, bottom line... I, and I enjoyed Minxly Asaktiko, and um, Reba was kind of iffy um, as Rika, more more leaning on the not-so-good kind, but mostly because of the character design involved. Um, are we ready to move on?
0: Oh, boy. Oh, yeah! <laughs> oh, oh boy,
1: oh, boy, oh,
0: boy,
2: Are we ready to talk about some shocking characters?
1: <laughs> some nail-biting characters here.
2: Mm.
0: Um, Just... <laughs>
1: We'll just hit the nail on the head with this one. Ready, guys? (laughs) (laughs)
0: All
1: right. So we have uh, the twins. The twins of this series. We have Mion and Shion Sonozaki. They are part of the Sonozaki family, which is one of the three big families of Hinamizawa, uh, with Mion as the older sister and the heir apparent to the family. Uh, And Shion, because if if I remember correctly, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, Typically, if twins are born, it's a rule in the Sonozaki house to murder the younger twin. Yep. It is
2: there's no use for them. Choke yeah. it before their first bath. That I is bu- a yeah. Great family, the ex- huh?
3: I believe the explanation given it is that is is to make lines of succession easier because there's no concern about, you know, who, who gets yeah. to be
2: next. Yeah, Right. Basically. So, you know, charming. Yeah, That's, charming. Uh, the, the, ori- everyone. the original Planned Parenthood. Ooh,
1: oh my ooh. God!
0: Ooh, Get bad. the fuck out! <laughs> that is horrendous. Aren't you, actual, aren't you the actual parent here? You should feel ashamed. I you am should ashamed. Be very but this, ashamed. Is ha-
2: this is Halloween. We're allowed to be a, bit, a little taboo here. Give yourself over not to in absolute that regard, pleasure. No.
1: Not in that but, regard. We're not.
2: Speaking as actually speaking as the parent in the group, if you have twins. Do not ever give them names that rhyme with each other. That's just going to make their lives difficult. That's going to make everyone's lives difficult.
1: I mean, also don't murder one of them in order to deal with to make the line of succession clear. But well, um, that
2: that too. But more importantly, don't give them rhyming more names. Don't or don't illiterate names. names. <laughs> make them, give them their, let them have their own separate identities, please.
1: Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Um, but yeah, I think the majority of the arcs that we see with the first season, um they do center me uh, around me on shion in some way T- two out of like the four or five arcs definitely do um and dear sweet lord are these bitches crazy <laughs> mostly shion
0: uh, actually oh, no only like only one of them is <laughs> yeah technically
1: <laughs> just, technically it's
2: just shion
0: <laughs> we find technically out.
2: it's just shion um which, by the no. way, if you're if you're curious about how to tell the two of them apart, I believe it's Shion who has the ponytail and Mion who has the long hair? Or did I get Incorrect. the two mixed up? Incorrect, you swap it. Uh, okay.
1: Mion has the ponytail, not
2: Shion. Mion, we, okay, Mion we see first who has the ponytail.
1: Correct. Um, yeah, we mostly find out that Shion is the crazy fucking bitch uh, in the entire damn show. Well, one of the crazy fucking bitches. The other one we'll talk about shortly. Um, but the individual... Playing both of the twins uh, is Miss Kelly Cassidy. She's pulling double duty and playing both Mion and Shion. Uh, she has been in series such as Ergo Proxy, Planetes, and Edeka Seven. I'm on. How do you feel about Kelly Cassidy as the uh, lovely, lovely Sonosaki twins? Uh,
3: I I generally liked Kelly Cassidy. I thought uh, I should I should note I don't. I don't quite like any of the characters in Higurashi. It's not that kind of a show.
2: That's good. We're glad that you don't like any of these characters. You're not supposed to like
3: them. Indeed. But of the characters here, I do have a favorite in the sense that I find them the most interesting. Uh, Which is mostly bound to the fact that my favorite part of the first season is definitely uh, the eye-opening chapter. Because I find Shion's own deal to be fascinating and awful. And along watching it. And consequently I like Kelly's performance a lot. Uh, watching Xiong go for just trying to be like I don't want to be in this stupid school. I don't care about any of this dumb bullshit that you find so important. I don't like Meon could be the priestess. I don't care. <laughs> I just I want I want I want to actually see my sister once in a while, okay? And she starts off so nice and relatable, and you get to just watch as she descends into madness because of all the, like, awful, strange, backwater, like, politics that her family is wrapped up in. The Look, bitch is
2: up. crazy! Yeah, yeah, even for the level of crazy in the the family politics, which I agree is crazy, even considering that, I think she goes just a little too far a little too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no. this escalates <laughs> Oh I mean it this, definitely definitely escalates I mean I mean <laughs> I, it really yeah, it really does it goes from the level of i, I didn't get the doll. guess I gotta kill everybody now.
1: no I mean, I mean, I feel like you're talking about different. the wrong twin though
2: no, I know, but I'm saying like like she at one point like says to Keiichi says, if you had just given me the doll, none of this would have happened, and we're like wow, that's one hell of a butterfly effect.
3: In fairness, that's, that's sort of, I feel like that's more thats more the straw off of a lot of idiocy. But Anyways, <laughs> um, no, I really enjoy Kelly's performance. I, I think that in particular is the standout for me. Like, I think she does a wonderful job of building up and portraying that descent into madness where she just gets, like, mm. she just cannot take this anymore. And now she ends up, like, you know, murdering several people in a basement. And, like, accidentally killing her grandmother with a taser. Uh,
1: You know, as you
3: do. As you do. Um, I just, I liked her performance a lot. She sold, like, she, 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 much, a lot of the show is, like, people being able to do both the normal, everyday part of the character and also the much more amped up, over-the-top, you know, melodramatic version. And I thought she was one of the highlights. I particularly like the... Uh, bit where where you initially think it's me it's actually Shion Where uh, Kagey trying to get into Rika's house, yep. and she just flips out while holding the ladder. Yep. Uh, which also has some of uh, Studio Dean's
1: best animation. animation in the show. Best, as in questionable. <laughs> it, is, it
3: is. It is. It is some of the best example yeah. of Dean's inability to stay on model. Yeah. That, I
0: feel. I feel like that was probably intentional, given uh, yeah. who the director is, but.
3: I think I think it, I I think it probably was, but given that Dean can be a little shaky, it a little, it's a little hard to tell sometimes. But I, I think you're right. I think I suspect that was a deliberate choice. Um, but yeah, she she was she was really good. Um, I try. I don't think she did a lot to try and like. I, I couldn't tell she was doing a lot to particularly distinguish Mion and Xion, but given that a lot no. of the show- Given that a lot- I, uh, given... I,
0: I, th- I think she did, but I'll say that one. No, that's fair. I,
3: I, I, part of it's reason I'm not sure is that I feel like at least a couple of these arcs are hinging on you, the audience's inability to tell who is who. Uh, I think during the arcs where like, they're more distinct, it's less about like Xion running around pretending to be Mion. I think they, they are you can tell them apart a little more easily. Yeah. Uh, but I think particularly in those ones, they kind of meld together because that's kind of the point. Uh, yeah, she I enjoyed her performance a lot. I thought she was a lot of fun to watch and she like she she helped make one of my favorite parts of the show, so I appreciate that too.
1: Okay, Jet, how do you feel about Kelly Cassidy?
0: Okay, alright. So I know I can't really talk about other things this actress has done because we generally try to respect use of aliases on this show. But what I can say in that respect is that I sure as heck wouldn't want she on to be my Valentine.
1: God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> That's the stupid joke you went with. God damn it!
0: You've been sitting on that joke for two hours
2: now, haven't you? <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: He's been sitting on this joke since the day we decided to do this damn episode.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, but before we get to her, let's talk about Meon she's pretty simple. Uh, Mion comes off as kind of a tomboy, and while Kelly has a little bit of trouble finding the right level level of energy to give her in the beginning, uh, she's eventually able to make Mion sound, you know, pretty rambunctious and peppy, which uh, definitely helped in making Mion feel more or less her age. Um, Like a lot of the cats, though, Mion seems to have a hidden side to her, since, you know, she belongs to the village equivalent of a Yakuza family. And uh, Kelly was able to handle that persona of, you know, professionalism pretty well. You know, whenever it came time for Mia to take charge and take care of business for the family. And uh, we're, of course, we're also tricked to thinking Mia has a more psychotic side to her. But as it turns out, she's uh, fairly normal, you know, by this show's standards. And all the crazy went to her sister, Shion. Shion, Shion is a real piece of work. And in a cast mm-hmm. comprised of mostly not-so-nice people, her antics here easily make her the worst of the bunch for me. Uh, so, to put things into perspective, over the course of her arc, she torches and kills her uncle, torches and kills her grandma, torches and kills a little girl, breaks her sister's mind before killing her, and tries to kill another little girl. And why does she do all this? Uh, okay. Okay, so
2: why does because she she's does...
1: in love with a boy.
2: That's yeah. it. <laughs> yep. Because uh, of do... you.
1: <laughs> love is the ultimate evil boys and girls never fall in love
2: never never oh, oh, don't oh. it's not worth it
1: I, I,
3: also, I should uh, I should point out she doesn't actually torture and kill her grandmother she just kills her and then
2: desecrates her corpse
0: yes is <laughs> true because the show
2: the show's classy like that. Yeah. <laughs> well you know what they say whips and chains may break my bones but wait I forget how that line
1: goes <laughs> 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 so she's anyway. trying to call cool Rihanna
0: oh no it's <laughs> not yes. working
1: for Noah um, right yeah, now and S&M so, boys uh, and
0: back, on t- back on topic I guess Um <laughs> <Samantha> <laughs> the Shoe does paint a pretty clear picture of how she ends up transforming into a monster and I mostly understand her It was completely impossible for me to sympathize with her, and it didn't help that, you know, even though I know she's a teenager and teenagers crush pretty hard, the time from innocent teen crush to full-on psychotic Yandere was way (laughs) too fast to make me feel anything but hate for the stuff she does. Like, girl, seriously, he talked to you, like, maybe three times in the whole show. I don't think he was that into you.
2: Oh, come on. Every anime romance is escalated to, like, three lines and all of a sudden, we're gonna get married.
0: It was
1: uh, love at first sight, Jet. How could you not tell? It,
2: it was, was an eye
0: opener.
1: God damn it!
0: Uh, so, needless to say, by the time she kicked the bucket, I was pretty happy. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> while she on <had> it. <laughs> so, anyway, while she had is pretty terrible, Kelly's performance was not. And between her and me, I feel like she played she on a lot better. I'll admit that in the earlier episodes I thought she, the way she tried to play Shion off as, you know, shy and cute felt a little fake compared to how she played Mion. You know, as it turns out, Xi'an's, a lot of Shion's persona was fake at that time, so that arguably worked to her advantage. Especially when you, see what lies, and when you see what lies under the mask, Kelly really ramps it up. Like, the level of ham on display certainly lended itself well to the Andre archetype Shion represents. And while like you can tell how much fun Kelly was having behind the booth with that, and she also managed to sell the idea that she had this kind of a broken match underneath it all. And while, again, I don't sympathize with she literally at all, it did a lot in helping me to understand her. And so, at any rate, this was definitely my favorite performance among the female cast, bar none. And while it's not quite enough to elevate the dub as a whole, I definitely appreciated all the same good stuff.
1: Alright, Noah, how do you feel about Kelly?
0: Well, um...
2: You've made, you mentioned that um, Kelly tried to, at some point, distinguish Mion and Shion to, so that we knew the difference between the two. I don't really think so. There's a, there's a long, proud history of anime casting twins and English dubs deciding to have different voices to try to you know, distinguish the two of them apart, like Oran High School Host Club or Lucky Star. This show decided not to do that. Um, I think it was the same in the Japanese, too. They had the same uh, seiyuu voice, both the twins. And I understand that, yes, that was supposed to be part of the story was to confuse you as to which one was which, so that the full-on revelation about which one is actually crazy came out as more surprising. But I didn't really think that it aided in it. Like, I would have appreciated having, like, slightly distinct-sounding voices, and I don't if i had to go back in time i think that's something that i would have tried to have changed myself but this is what they went with and kelly's performance is honestly a lot of fun to listen to like i'm not just talking about the crazy parts but like in even in the earlier parts of each arc where it's disguising itself as a slice of life school drama where they're having a ton of fun and she's having all of the fun uh punishing keichi because he like loses the game or uh they're like they're in a I forget, they're in some sort of, like, card tournament or something, and they're trying to win, like, prizes or something like that. She just sounds like she's having a lot of fun trying to be a normal country bumpkin kind of character, and that in itself, like, it's masked what's about to come pretty good if you didn't already know that things were about to get fucked up. But, um, yeah, that, that's something I think needs to be acknowledged as doing well, that Kelly did the quote-unquote normal parts of the show pretty well, too. Like to, Like, it was probably the role that was up to the standards of what we are used to in 2018 dubbing, if not just a, a little over the top. But then we get really over the top and we get scenes where she's, you know, stabbing syringes into people and forcing people to claw their throats out and tossing children down giant holes. And, you know, putting aside that the actual acting itself is requires this to be over the top, even that, I think Kelly turned in something that even the director did not expect. She probably like took a step back from the booth and said, "Whoa, are, are you okay, Kelly? You sound like you've had practice doing stuff like this." And so, in that, and yeah, and all of that, I I have to back up what you guys said about Kelly's performance on this one. It's this was exactly the way to go with portraying both Mion's kindness and Xion's uh, flip into absolute crazy. It's so the part where I can easily say, like, like, make a highlight reel out of this, and that's, like, the main appeal of the show. And it kind of helps that her main arc takes up, like, uh, at the halfway point, we start up her arc, and it takes up, like, six episodes, I think, and they're probably the, the strongest yep. arc of the whole thing. It, it yeah, escalates. It is,
0: yeah, it's definitely the longest arc of the show.
2: It Yeah, and, you know, for a good reason, because it's mm. very captivating to watch. Even if I'll agree with you that the the small amount of time spent with Satoshi and she gets a crush on him and then when he's gone, like, that was enough for her to absolutely kill everybody for. Not so sure that was exactly believable, but that's okay because we don't watch Higarashi for believable. We watch Higarashi for fun murder time. And any, boy any, do we get it. For coming? fun
1: torture murder time.
2: All of that. Like, yeah, this, and I feel like she, her character is supposed to be commentary of some sort. Like, she is raised to believe that torturing people who sin is acceptable not just acceptable but required whereas you contrast that with something like uh the way that rika was talking to her that no you don't have to punish yourself you don't have to be punished when you do something wrong just say you're sorry and move you on. you don't
1: have to distinguish yourself there's your keyword.
2: And so um, I don't know if this, the game and the show itself, were trying to make social commentary about a problem that they had in eighteen, in nineteen eighties Japan. But if they did, I, I sincerely hope that things are a little bit better now. Hopefully, I mean, I mean th- this is some like some a- a Christian evangelical shit going on here. It, rem- <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of how
3: like if you read like Stephen King novels it's very, uh, Stephen King's from small town Maine, and he kind of mm. thinks small town Maine sucks. Because, yeah. like, everyone's up in their business all the time and it's just kind of it's... awful.
1: See, here's the...
3: Yeah, this reminded See, me of that a lot. What,
1: what What's very, very depressing is someone who grew up in small town, made it's very fucking true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so oh, it's not even just Japan. Like, this could be uh, to any backwater oh, yeah, part of the world. This,
3: this, felt, this felt very true to a lot of stories about how living in like rural, isolated backwaters is kind of shitty and often yeah, not really a, it's that absolutely fun. Absolutely yeah. Pati- It's absolutely true. Particularly if you're not on the inside with the power people in the area like uh, oh, yeah. the Hojo family is.
2: Yeah, because you're just... Yep, no. like you're di- Yep. You're not making it to the sequel. Nope. nope. <laughs>
1: Sorry. <laughs> Whoopsie-daisy.
2: So yeah, so Kel- Kelly... I hope that whatever you're doing out there that you've gotten the help that you need.
1: I think I had three key thoughts I was going to say. I forgot one of them already. <laughs> um, so first things first.
2: Damn, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of that, that meme now. Damn, Daniel. It's, it's Lilac Daniel. going, damn, Kelly.
1: <laughs> damn, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Kelly! <laughs> oh, what was the fucking shoes he was talking about? In the stupid meme. Never mind. I will. I will get stuck on it if I if for like twenty minutes if I don't move on, and then we'll be here all night. Anyway, so yeah. <laughs> holy shit, mother God! What the fuck? First thought. Uh, second, I am fairly. I am. I'm concerned that Kelly didn't develop split personality after this. Not just cuz she had to play twins, but because she had to play one of those twins as fucking psychotic. (laughs) Um, and the third other big point for me, really, is that bar none, this is my favorite performance in the show. Bar none. Like, it not only sounds, for both Mion and Shion, given the characteristics and the storylines both the for both the, for the twins here it not only sounds the most natural the that fits very well with the character designs it's also a, it also is a performance performances i should say that are complex enough to make it very believable to me compared to some of the other characters in the show and some of the other performances we hear in the show this is the most believable performance um, clearly the most fun that Kelly probably ever fucking had in this entire show like it, ever probably or one of the most fun exciting, fun, exciting things for her um, but what else like she pulls off the crazy psychotic very very well like it's it's interesting when you go and watch the show cause the second arc in the show is the one where Mion quote unquote is the most prevalent character and she's seen as the murderer Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it seems very clear that it is Mion, then you skip a couple arcs later where we find out uh, this whole time it's been Sheon, and it hasn't been Mion at all. Um, well,
2: just a question on the mechanics of this, all, there are six different arcs in the first season, um, yes. some of them share similar events, but I didn't think that either of them, were, any of them were supposed to be, like, the same story, I thought they were supposed to be their own self-contained arcs, weren't they?
0: Now, no, I think, like, bits and pieces of the arcs come together to help you get an idea of the overall mystery, yeah. but... Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there are yeah. Pe- bits and pieces of the story that do kind of line up together, but the two arcs that really link together as two sides of the same story are the two involving the twins. Yeah.
2: Okay, that that's true, yeah, because that's they actually the recycle some story. of the animation. Yeah. Yep.
3: From what I could suss out, those two specifically take place at the same time, and I assume the time killing one is a general prequel to all of them. Uh, beyond mm. that, I don't think I, none of, like all of them can exist in the same continuity, anyways. And I don't think you're supposed to read it like that.
2: Right. See, that's what I was concerned. Yeah, I was thrown off by because like they can't all cont- exist in the same continuity. I was, no. one, I, actually, I was starting, I was getting Cloud Atlas vibes. I'm like, wait, dude, is it, like, <laughs> every no, it other can't. one is fits the each other one? Or it's, like, is no, one start the and finish. As
1: far as I can tell, because some bits and pieces of, or plot elements of each of these stories do link together. Yeah. Because, like, for example, the storyline in the beginning somehow gets pop, pops up again at the end of the show. When Keiichi remembers the shit that he pulled.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's just, like it just remembered as, oh, this was a bad ending. Exactly. <laughs> the, like, all of a sudden, like, what
1: the fuck? There are no but, good endings. But the <laughs> one story that actually links, that's like two separate arcs that actually link together are the two involving the twins.
0: Yeah. It's just
1: different sides of the same story, what it comes down to on that one. Because I think one side basically is Kei, is told from the point of view of Keiichi, the other side is Shion. Mm-hmm. If I'm correct. Um,
2: it, it's so hard to tell.
1: It is hard to tell, but that's the one story arc that actually has some kind of cohesive, where most of the mysteries are solved in terms of that one Mm storyline. Like, it it makes sense. That's the one that actually has the most conclusion to it um, out of all of the storylines. And in the beginning, Kelly was the only one that was a half-decent performance, but then, like, the performance really, really grew on me throughout the whole show because it sounded the most natural as well as the most psychotic Naturally psychotic, I should say. Natural in terms of me on. naturally psychotic in terms of she on. If that makes sense to you.
2: Th- and, none of uh, the show makes sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, true, but still. I mean, there are a lot of elements for Kelly to play with. Um, there's the fact that she has to play twins. There's the fact that w- it, we're dealing with Yakuza ritual bullshit. We're dealing with a <sighs> with a psychotic twin sister. Uh, who just wants to have her love returned to her. Even though she, he probably actually doesn't really like her. Um, let's face it. Satoshi probably didn't like her. Um, there's a lot of complexities with these two characters. And the fact that Kelly was able to pull these off very, very well. I enjoyed every uh, very well and make it as very natural sounding. I enjoyed every second of it. And definitely Kelly as the twins is my favorite performance of the entire show. Uh, we think we're good to move on?
2: Yeah. I've still two. got at least one fingernail left. Let's move on.
1: Oh, God. You're only supposed to do three. You weren't supposed to do four.
2: You didn't tell me to stop.
1: I told you that five minutes ago. God damn.
2: Tell me I'm pretty. Please, boss, tell me I'm pretty now.
1: You are very pretty, Noah. Yay. <laughs> God damn it. All right. So... Time to talk about our other psychotic little girl. Yay! (laughs) And the quote-unquote poster child of the show. Uh, We're going to talk about Rena Ryuga. Uh, She is another girl in hinamizawa she's it's from my understanding she is around the same age as keiichi Mion is the oldest among their group Mion and Mm shian are the oldest um and then i believe it's keiichi and rena and then rika and um are the youngest of the main i mean it
2: doesn't help it doesn't help that um we don't ever but we rarely see all the characters like lined up side by side so we can get an idea about height and studio dean's is fucked uh, proportions never give well, us a good idea about what size well, anybody is.
1: Well, it's not just that. It's not that. It's the fact that Keiji explicitly states in the show that Mion is a great ahead of him and Rena.
2: Right, yeah. I get that, but I, I'm still That's I still want to we pick know on, she's on Studio. Under. I want to call. I just want Let to me call pick up on Studio, studio Dean.
1: Dean. Damn it! Let me pick on Studio Dean. Damn it! Please!
2: God damn. <laughs> They made, anyway. s- they made shows that we like. It's just their animation always sucks. Like, go back and watch Fruits Basket. Perfectly good show. Terrible lazy animation.
0: Some the time. Mean, I mean, if you want a decent-looking you want a decent looking de- Dean show, you can probably watch rock- Rock-A-Go. That's pretty good.
1: Oh, yeah. rock go is good. I need to watch season two still. Damn it. Anyway. Yes,
0: but no no amount
2: of Rockigo can be balanced out by like Hitalia and Hell Girl and First oh. Love Monster. Oh Hitalia!
0: I do, do not bring I'd, First I'd Love
1: Monster to this house. Again. Do not bring. You First will Love all watch it. House. You
2: will all join me in the cult of the First Love Monster. You've me
1: here, you asshole.
2: One of us. One of us. Get we out, What? No. That <laughs> was, was, was also a show with a, a lead female character. It was a little bit crazy. <laughs> Speaking of lead female characters are very crazy, Reina!
1: <laughs> so to describe Reina real, Raina real quick here, uh, she's about the same age as Keiichi. She she actually was born in Hinamizawa, but moved away when she was young, uh, only to move back a year prior to the present day of the show. Uh, after an incident where she... Um, Kinda of went through her school and beat up some kids with a baseball bat and broke some windows. So if that doesn't give you an early indication of the bitch being crazy, the
2: bitch is fucking crazy. Um and
1: then she, there's she also- wants
2: her money and she's gonna get it now. <laughs> Where's Raina's money? Where's Raina's money? Don't yeah. make a fool out of me, she's she money. Gets, is
3: she gonna she beat but- up Mads Nicholson too? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Rena, Rena here has a lot of, like, peppy moe personality, the cutesy kind of thing going for her. Um, but she does have a very dark side to her. And will flip the damn switch on a dime. And holy mother of God, does this bitch go nuts. Anyway, the individual who voices Rena Ryuga is Miss Mila Lee, who has been in series such as, as far as I am aware of, almost every single iteration of Fate Stay Night. Except for the Moe uh, Prisma, Prisma Iliad Thank one. Kiliad,
2: Prism Ili Self Part Three Ford
1: As far as I know if she's that's the only one she's done balls with, she lo and behold, she was she's written Tosica for everything minus that. That's it. She was even in the two thousand six version. Um, she's also in uh, recently, we actually discussed Mila Lee in Skip Beat uh, several months ago. And then <laughs> Here we go! Bringing it around! Oh no! She no, is the, no. Lead, she's the lead female character Yuki <sighs> in Vampire Night.
2: <laughs> You're welcome, you know, boys and girls. You know what? I, I don't think that we'll get around to talking to that show anytime soon. So I, I'm glad that we're getting our vampire quota out of the way.
1: No, we make, can make, make 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 this thing a, a thing next year.
2: No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Go back to Elfin Lead. Go back. I, 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 You'd rather great. have Elfin Lead. <laughs> I would than much vampire rather night. watch Elfin That's
1: hilarious. Absolutely. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Amon, how do you feel about Mila Lee's performance as Rena? <clears throat> <laughs> That's one way to start this. Well, here, here. So
3: an, as, as, we, as we mentioned previously, the Moe Moe voices are a little. At best, hit and miss in this show. Mela Lesser is clearly trying her hardest with this. Here's the thing. I think this. I think the, the weird phoniness about it kind of works because Reyna's got a lot of problems. Yeah. So, I, look, I know mental health services in mid-80s Japan were probably not the best, but I feel like people probably could have tried a little harder, uh, <laughs> um, to say the least. I mean, it's um,
2: something a little bit more than locking them up in cages. Yes, I think she could have gotten a bit much. more help.
3: Um, but as a consequence, like, there, it, it ended up being this thing where, like, Reina Reyna's high-pitched peppiness always had a little bit of a phoniness to it. And given that it, even in the, even in the arcs where, like, she doesn't kill anybody, like, she's just a normal girl who went through some stuff. She has enough weird moments where she will, like, start monologuing about the demon that, in a weird way, it kind of worked for me. It's like, it, it I, like i have no idea if this is in any way shape or form purposeful but it ended up like it ended up drawing attention to the artifice in a way that i think actually really suited the character and how she's written in the show uh if that makes any sense whatsoever okay so like it's like it is it is still like it's very it's very like cutesy high-pitched and she does like she does what she can with that like she she's she's putting her giving her all for it um but it. it, it yeah, like a lot of the show, when she gets down to having to like really sell you on the bad stuff, I think she actually nails that pretty well, even with the like weird moe voice on top of that. Um, I, you see her walking around there with that big like old timey axe thing. It's, it's oh my god, much. that
1: hatchet she has or whatever that the fuck. Ju- the
3: enormous fucking hatchet she has everywhere. Yes. It's just like
1: okay,
3: <laughs> that's like, well, totally uh, normal. I'm out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm gonna stay away from you now. You're, all the all the cute shapeless hats in the world can't change that anymore.
1: Here's the weird thing: is it bad that I, I while I was watching the show, I was half tempted. I'm like, I wonder if I could put a cosplay Rena right together <laughs> and make like a big fake big hatchet cat- and <laughs> make sure it's like oh, for, for a woman
3: living in small town Japan, she is incredibly forward-thinking fashion for the mid '80s. People yes. would not be wearing those kind of outfits for decades. So, like, kudos <laughs> to her.
1: All right.
3: Um, but yeah, like in, in a weird way, like, I enjoyed Mila's performance. I, I thought it like fit the character really well in ways that I don't know were intentional, but I was kind of happy with it anyways. It, it worked for me. Okay. Uh, so like, kudos to her for that. I liked it.
1: Alright, Jet, how do you feel about Mila Lee's performance?
0: Okay. Um, so I'll be honest with saying that Mila Lee can be kind of hit or miss for me sometimes as an actress. Um I really enjoyed her as Red and Fade, and I really enjoyed her as Canary and Hunter x Hunter in a, in a new season of The Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, but she's also done some stuff that I was really shaky on, like uh, Kana in Neuro Rise of the Yokai Clan, and while I haven't seen Vampire Knight, I, I have heard things about her in that show. <laughs> oh, and oh they you got me here good. for that one. <laughs> now, you got well, me as here as for a... that
1: shit. You wait until it gets to me.
0: Oh, boy.
2: To be, to be fair, as a rule of thumb, if the whole show is bad, it's usually a direction problem, not a yeah, one-actor yeah, problem.
0: It's, 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 yeah, it's, yeah, it's usually not a one-actor problem, I'm just saying. <laughs> no,
1: it's uh, a, a multiple-actor problem with Night. but go on.
0: Okay, um, so sadly, her performance as Reyna kind of falls into the miss category for me. Um, out of all the leading actresses in the show, she kind of sounded the least convincing when it came to playing up Bran as a hyperactive boy-girl. And a lot of her attempts to match the mannerisms of the same performance just kind of served to make it sound even more awkward. I mean, I'll be fair to say that she did improve on that end over time, but there was something about the tone that felt artificial enough that I could never completely get into it. Uh, having said all that, I do actually think she headed the darker side of Red extremely well. Uh, there's definitely a really notable shift in her tone of voice whenever Reta would go on about Oishiro's curse, mm-hmm. and I liked and I liked some of her interactions with Kaiti during her arc, where you know she calls him a hypocrite when it comes to things like friendship and trust, and especially when you kind of find out what Kaiti's whole deal in deal is in that arc, and it's kind of disturbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, her so cold delivery of um, those lines where she calls him out actually kind of got to me a little bit uh unfortunately a lot of those moments are in the last few episodes of, this, of the show meaning that most of the time she's just doing the whole boy girl imitation thing and it didn't quite click with me i mean i can't say i hated this performance and it um, and it obviously didn't have its high points again i really liked her during all of brennan's darker moments uh but as a whole i'd say it was probably the weakest link of the main cast for me
1: <laughs> okay Noah, how do you feel about Mila Lee's performance?
2: Huh. I would not have said that Mila was the weaker of the performances. Um, her role in the show uh, really doesn't lend itself, I don't think, to a whole lot of dramatic acting, like nothing I was expecting. So I was pleasantly surprised when uh, she not only uh, had a sharp contrast between the uh, cuter moe parts and then the drops her voice and has a more serious tone but also the fact that both of them sounded very intentional. Um, I'm gonna have to agree with Aman on the Moe part sounding intentionally fake to positive effect, because not only is her voice supposed to sound like that, the animation kind of gives off this overly chipper personality. Like, we're let's go look at the garbage and we're going to- <laughs> We're going on a, a treasure uh, hunt we're going for treasure in the and, oh hey it's a dead body cool kind of, that I'm kind taking of home with me. we
1: gotta go on a treasure hunt for the colonel guys it's I can't <laughs> believe we went
3: this far and I forgot that colonel Sanders is an important part of the show <laughs> you're god welcome
0: damn. yeah colonel Sanders <laughs> is, colonel, Sa- <laughs> colonel Sanders is an important part of the show I taking you home with me it was actually a proto meme for a while
1: god damn it <laughs> <laughs> colonel Sanders is- best boy twenty eight. Fuck you, and fight that, me. That
2: is, why, that is why we are renaming this show Higarashi When They Fry.
1: God damn it.
2: <laughs> Coming soon to a KFC near you. I
1: fucking quit. God damn it. And
2: oh my God. So anyway. I... I re- I I mean I re- I did there was no convincing way I don't think with that level of animation that we were going to have any voice actors who was going to make it sound uh, convincingly moe like contrast this with something like the Kyo Annie Key visual novel adaptations Air Canon and Claned which are supposed which take those tropes and play them straight this is a show where it takes those tropes of um slice of life cute girl characters who. You both enjoy being around and also want to protect from bad things happening to them, and subverts that by having them be the killers themselves, which is awesome. Like, that is great. And I'm honestly sad that we haven't seen more shows like that. You know, takes the. Like, I, I want to see, like, a subversion of the idol genre like that, where you think that they're, like, you know, awesome idols who are trying to save the school, and then all of a sudden it turns out, no, they're trying to buy out the school and put everybody out of a job or something dark like that
1: oh lord that'd be that would be interesting actually
2: okay I, I sunrise is gonna get on that any minute now God i can damn. just feel it but okay as for actual melee's actual acting in this the drop where she actually she goes from a uh, fake cute which i'll approve of and then drops it down to the serious voice and then all of a sudden the theme Higarashi, no theme plays in the background with that quiet piano and the choir score in the background that is that makes it more genuinely creepy so you don't know exactly what's going on in her head and we don't really find out until near the end of the show so that the fact that we don't really get a serious arc with her until the very end is kind of kind of plays up why she's kept so mysterious throughout the whole thing so there's Honestly, like I can see why people would prefer the Japanese. Like having heard some of the Japanese, it's also genuinely creepy in a Japanese kind of way. But this is also creepy, and like this dub is creepy in a way that you would enjoy. You would enjoy the mystery of trying to unpiece her, and that hard contrast between the cuter and the darker voice that she gives her is a lot of fun to listen to. So, and I think that deserves the praise. Like when you can convincingly switch between. Two different types of voices that ref- reflect the characters' differing personalities. That's not always easy to pull off. It takes some chops.
1: As for me, I'm actually gonna side with Jet a little bit more on this one.
2: Ah, oh, boo!
1: <laughs> Back in your that, box. Remember that problem I had with um, Rika, and with the mat and the voice not quite the matching look. the character design. Yeah. Rena is another one where I had this issue,
2: well, and it what was is, probably. What is a cat eyed Moe girl supposed to look like? Supposed to sound like?
1: My thing is with this performance, it is very, very rough. There are moments where it, the, to me, it seems like the Moe cute kind of gets overplayed. Mm -hmm. It needs to get dialed back a little bit. Um, Though I think. And there are also times where the moments, this is this part at least is fairly early on, though. Um, the moments mm-hmm. where Rena does snap and goes in the crazy mode, very overplayed and needs to be dialed back a bit.
2: That was after the picnic and when they're in the, like the, the part of the town where the dam was supposed to be, right?
1: A mix of that and then I believe it was the first arc where that moment where she confronts Keiichi in the road.
2: Oh, oh, right, with the hatchet, after he's been going around with a baseball bat, and it reminds her a lot of uh, uh, Satoshi, Satoshi. right? Yeah. Yep,
1: that scene in particular. Um, Very, I think it was pretty overplayed and could have been dialed back a lot. Um, Granted, I think that's more of a directing problem rather than a performance problem, because later on in the show, she does come into her own as the character. And I Mm -hmm. think in the last arc of the show, that's where Milo definitely shines as Rena the most. Um, Now she's had the chance to grow into the character and kind of get more of an opportunity of this paranoia and all these personality and complexities that Rena has. Because Rena has a much more complex story in that last arc too. Um, I think out of everyone because it's it's Keiichi who who has a story basically in the first arc, then it's Technically, Mion, Uh, then I think it's Satoko, then Shion, and then it's Rena. Um, Rika, we never really get any kind of real, real in-depth story with for season one. Um, But Rena, I think Mila definitely comes into her own the most and has the highest point for her character and her performance in that last arc. Um, She definitely grew into it by that point. It's just, unfortunately, for the majority of the time, a lot of the performance was so overplayed and, uh, and, like, overacted at points um, that it really need to be dialed down a lot. Um, but I think that's more of a directing problem than anything, um, than a performance problem. But Renna, unfortunately for me, similar to Jed, is probably one of the weakest performances of the entire show, unfortunately. Which is a shame, because I do like Rena as a character. Um, her and the Japanese, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's just, I think because of the... Slight of the subpar, poor direction on the dubs part. Um, mm. Mila unfortunately went too far with the character at times, rather than dialing it back a little bit. If that makes sense. Um, are we good to move on? We got one more character to go, and then we're done. Yes.
2: Let's take a let's take a swing at it for a home run.
1: <laughs> Woo! Knock it out of the park. Anyway, we're going to talk about Keiichi Mayabara, who is our quote unquote surrogate lead i guess you can say um the audience uh,
0: he's our point of view basically
1: basically <laughs> he's basically our um what's the correct term here
3: audience surrogate
1: yeah. basically yes there was there was a specific term and i couldn't think of it i was blanking but yes audience surrogate um i think point you, of view.
2: No, the term i think you're thinking of was our token fuck boy <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, no, he's not a
2: fuck boy. He's not. I'm a pretty sure boy. that's what you were going for.
1: No, no, no. He's not a fuck boy. He's not that much of a dick, but he does get fucked over Are quite you a sure? bit.
2: I, I was gonna say he gets fucked over again just about every heart. He over gets
1: fucked over, but if you're thinking of a fuck boy, they're the assholes. I, he's he's not, not that much of an asshole. He's just carrying shit.
2: Uh, no, I, we'll talk. We can talk about this in a little bit, but I don't think he's meant to be seen as like a nice guy. I really don't think no, so. No, he's
1: not. He's not, but but he's also not a fuckboy. Yeah, he, he doesn't, I
2: mean, he doesn't get up any, like, aside from the murder, he doesn't get up to anything
3: that, like, a typical, like, kid his age wouldn't, like. Aside
1: from the backstory we uh, get the last arc. Aside look, from that, look, which we, no, we never see on screen, thank God.
2: Look, Amon, I don't know about you, but I have never in my life thought about taking a baseball bat to an uncle on a scooter. Never.
1: He did that to protect Sadako, alright?
2: Not yes. even for Sadako, I would like to say like He has like intentions. Like I
3: said, Noah, aside from the murder, <laughs> I, I mean, okay, 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 <laughs>
2: Which,
0: I mean did, to, to be, be fair,
1: would th- encapsulate that plus Rena and Mion in the first I arc.
0: Mean, okay. I mean, to be fair, it felt like everyone was just kind of extra made in that arc for some reason. Everyone. Yeah. Sanneko was- arc. Yep. They were all a little. Oh,
1: Especially <laughs> Oishi. Especially Detective Oishi. Anyway, our surrogate lead, Keiichi, he is the quote unquote main character you could basically say, um, who moved who fairly recently moved to Hinamizawa who ends up in this friend group with these bunch of cute little girls um, and then he starts to slowly get involved in these conspiracies and mysteries regarding Oyashiro's curse and all these murders and disappearances um, and uh, he also goes nuts and either ends up killing people or dying in various arcs of the show Uh, as for the individual voicing this character, and again, another one of the few times we talk about this, man, Jet, you can correct me if this is one of the earlier performances for this individual, um, we have Grant George.
0: I have no idea how early on it is in his career this is. Okay.
1: (laughs) So maybe, possibly my brain's probably overthinking it so probably not uh grant george if you haven't heard of this individual before you may know him as various a couple various characters from the fate series uh including lancer in fate zero uh he was also in kill a kill but most recently i think the last time we actually i know for me the last time we actually talked about him was um skippy but you guys did fate zero after the fact too right yep so yeah, we talked about in in Fade Zero, and we've talked about him in Skip Beat, uh, Skip Beat as a show Fua. Uh So, Amon, how do you feel about Grant George's performance as Keiichi? I think I
0: think think I I,
3: think I generally liked it, although Keiichi feels this weird, like depending on which arc you're looking at, Keiichi either has quite a bit to do, or he's a little extraneous, uh, kind of depending on who you're looking at. And I think Grant, Grant George's performance sometimes reflects that a little bit, but I actually did like him. Um, Obviously, he he does not have the problem with the mohe cute voices. I actually think that's. <laughs> if he
1: was mohe cute, I'd be very concerned.
3: That'd be that'd be that'd be a very strange take on this show. Um, it would be consequently, very uh, consequently, uh, like of the main characters, I think he he and Kelly kind of get the benefit from that. This is they probably get to give the strongest just straight performances. Um, I actually liked it. Like I said, I thought he very believably played this like fairly normal like. You know, teenage boy who just wants to hang out with his friends and not take anything too seriously. And there's, you know, uh, there's some weird, like, local rumor stuff going around, but whatever. It's cool, right? Um, and actually, I, I think he's sometimes the most fun to listen to in a lot of those, like, kind of generic high school comedy bits, just because he kind of gets to, he almost gets to tap into, like, his inner, like, shonen comedy protagonist. Uh, he gets to just be a dude. And I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, but as he, as I've said before, a lot of the you know, sometimes judging the uh, the cast in the show is how do they do, how do they behave when things go bad? And I really liked Grant George and a lot of that. I thought he was very good at playing Gagey's paranoia in a lot of those segments, particularly the first one, mm-hmm. uh, where he, he, you, the audience, also don't know what is going on. Uh, I thought he sold he sold that very well. I thought he, he came off as very believably scared, which oddly enough, I feel like is something I don't. I feel like I watch, like, a lot of horror stuff I feel like doesn't, like, pay up Like, you know, not, like, over-the-top Fear, but, like, actual concern For your own well-being all that much I feel like that's not an emotion that comes up all that often In the stuff I watch, and I thought he delivered that Very well, I could feel his actual Concern for, like, what is happening Here, am I okay? Like, can I, can I, can I like is standing out there in the rain staring up At the
2: window, I am really off-put right now What I'm is going sorry.
1: On? I'm sorry, I'm yeah, exactly. sorry I'm sorry, I'm sorry
2: <laughs> Ugh. I, I'm concerned and uh, was uh, social sec- or no security yeah, doesn't come this far out into the country
1: nope.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, no yeah I, I like I generally enjoyed his performance I thought he, he, he pro- I think he probably had the best balance between like being a normal person and like the more you know horror out there aspects um, yeah I thought like he he feels he feels hard to talk about just because unlike with Cheon, I feel like he has he he has fewer like really big moments to talk about compared to a lot of the other characters. Um, but I liked his performance. He, he he felt he felt very appropriate in a very positive way. I liked it.
1: Okay. Anywho. Jet, how do you feel about Grant George's performance?
0: <clears throat> okay, uh, well, if you've heard me talk about Grant George on this podcast, I generally said that the man has one of the most naturally seductive voices I've ever heard. I mean, you're lot... not wrong. <laughs> yeah, and it uh, a, a lot of the characters he plays to ooze a massive sense of charisma. Uh, KT Maivar is about as far south of that as you can get, and uh, it was definitely very interesting to listen to.
2: I was he wondering where you were going with this characters. for a second.
0: Yeah, was so, like, so one this was
2: characters. not meant to be seductive, and I have many questions yet.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i must question everything why is why no Grant george seduce me why yeah. why is this
0: not a uh, thing <laughs> uh, so Ke- uh, Ke- yeah, so can Ke- you kind of a goober as you would expect from a character who you know basically serves the audience's point of view though you know technically not the main character since he doesn't you know always influence every arc of the show uh and his degree of likability kind of depends on the story arc most of the time, he's sympathetic if annoying, while other times he can, you know, be a little bit of a prick, and, uh, you know, even attempts to justify becoming a murderer for that one arc where everyone is really mean.
1: <laughs> well, he, uh, he he murdered people at two different points, actually.
0: Yeah. Uh, through it all, Kiji, but through it all, Kiji says one of the dumbest human beings I have ever seen in anime, as despite the show telling you he is some kind of a genius, he really thinks <laughs> he's things through... He is not he, a
1: genius! <laughs>
0: Yeah, he rarely thinks things through. He executes the single single laziest murder plan I've ever seen, (laughs) and quite literally can't lie, and quite literally cannot lie to save his life.
1: His ass should have been arrested, but that body disappeared. Just just, down to
3: just because he's smart doesn't mean he's competent. There's a difference.
1: Fair (laughs) point taken.
0: I mean, for what it's worth, though, I can never really bring myself to hate him, and that's partially due to Grant George's performance. Uh, Grant George plays Keiichi as nasily as he possibly can, making a guy sound like a total goofball in almost every scene he's in. And while on paper that would sound kind of, an, kind of annoying, it works really well here, and I was really able to buy to his portrayal of the character, like, almost immediately. And it helps that Keiichi gets his occasional moments of seriousness, and Grant George handles those aspects really well, too. Uh, He was especially great at the end of the first arc. Uh, Like Amon was saying, you know, where Keiichi gradually goes suspicious of his friends before snapping. And I really appreciate how much he was able to make the build-up of KT's sense of paranoia feel believable, since, you know, that really is something you don't see in horror that much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, before he finally snaps and, and, you know, goes totally ham. He uh, goes for that home run. Yep. And even more (laughs) impressive, though, was... (laughs) That was how he handled Keiichi, you know, in his darkest moments through the timeline where he tries to kill Satako's uncle. Yeah. And, you know, that mix of desperation, fear, and rage that he shifts through while executing his bad murder plan was really impressive. And I was also kind of floored at how well he was able to make it work. Um, so for me personally, this was actually my my favorite performance of the show. Really? And, uh, it Really? Okay. Ha- yeah, and it really helped to remind me how great an actor Grant George is. I mean, it's kind of a shame the rest of the dub wasn't quite this good, but yeah, he totally nailed this for me. I liked it.
1: Okay, <laughs> Noah, how do you feel about the performance?
2: Hmm. Well, this is um. Uh, again, why why couldn't they have gotten actual children for this? It just God. boggles my mind.
1: God damn it! <laughs> it's
2: not. I mean, it's not, not like happening, we, Noah. Could, you know, just stop. Wanted realism in this show. Fine, fine. So because of the voice, I mean, we. In our profession, we are professional dub listeners, and we have heard many, many fully grown men pretend to be children before. So we have, like, the spectrum of believability. There's, like, on the really good end of it, and then there's, like, on the far end of it, of, of there's, like, Crispin Freeman. So in this role <laughs> here, we, <laughs> I'm sorry, nice. I love you, Crispin, but not, not convincing young child character. Has he played young children?
0: Uh, he did a Digimon. Oh God! Oh yes, that's
2: right. I, it, we were in the middle of watching that. I forgot. In Frontier, he plays a um, actual child, but um, that's, that's hysterical. Terrifying. Anyways, go on. Anyway. So in this show here, uh, George's um, task was to basically find the balance of um, you know making his voice sound convincing enough as a prepubescent, and it's it, it's on the believable end of the spectrum. Like this is the point that I'll I'll take it in anime voice acting realms and in doing so he, he keeps a slightly higher voice he keeps a tenor throughout the whole thing that is it never really strays into the realms of unbelievable which is good because this is an entire uh performance that has to shift from new kid in town who's just um is supposed to act like a harem protagonist for the beginning of it and by the end of it he's turned into the guy who gets killed at the end of the whole thing which is fun to watch. It's really fun to watch the guy who you thought was going to be the Mac Daddy turn into the Dead Daddy. <laughs> 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 what? Like, like, I mean, it, it's not, like, how will say, it's not my favorite uh, acting role in the entire show, but that's just because it's competing with against some very fun uh, campy performances. But right. uh, Particularly the first arc. Like, the first arc where I think he, he actually... Does kill some of the characters with a baseball bat. Yes. I think he got drugged, wasn't it? Like, they injected him with a syringe that made him act like that? It's
1: not clear if he actually was drugged or not. Actually, it's not 100% clear if he was drugged or not. However, in the last arc, when he finally realizes what he did, that syringe Mm -hmm. turned into a permanent marker. Right. So it's not 100% clear if he actually was drugged. I'm on the side of thinking... Like, if you watch that first arc and not getting any of the clues, you might assume he might. Um, after he realizes what he did, there's a good chance that he actually wasn't. And he just just caved to the paranoia. Uh,
2: okay, that's fair enough. Um, so, as far as the actual acting, it's it's good. Like, it's the kind that... It's the kind of um, mid-2000s male voice that, um, I guess, um, is... is perfectly passable enough like it doesn't stand out enough to me to where like I would say like this is fantastic um and I feel like I I feel like I should be praising his performance more than I actually am but I guess it it just it fit the exact archetype I was looking for you know like I set a bar for how I thought Keiichi was going to act in the dub and this just cleared it didn't go over the top it just cleared it which again if you're trying to decide between whether or not to watch this in English or Japanese this is good enough for, uh, your average English listener to say yeah th- this is good enough to listen to
1: oh boy oh no <laughs>
2: oh uh, what, god do? what are you going to do
1: <laughs> remember my problem I had with uh, Renna Enrique <laughs> is, it,
2: is this person number three the voice.
1: This is person number three. I mean, at this stage, we got two. (laughs) This comes in threes. I said there were three, and clearly there's one person left.
2: L- Lilac, did you also want them to cast children in this role? Are you in this <laughs> camp with me?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> it would have been so much more believable. No, I'm kidding.
2: God, I wouldn't. I would
1: never put a child through a show like this. Are you fucking kidding me? Um. Anyway. Just, just
2: imagine like at the time period we could have gotten like all the best no. Disney teen stars to no. be in this show. We could have gotten Hilary Duff Stop. and Miley Cyrus and Noah, Ashley no. Tisdale. Noah, okay. No one,
1: no. Right. Noah, no. I know you hate Disney that much, but
2: Noah, let me, no. <laughs> let me have my dreams.
1: I will crush your dreams
2: with a baseball bat. Just pack. like Keiichi crushed those characters.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. This is the third person where I felt that the voice and the voice for the character didn't match with the character design. However, in the case of Grant George's Keiichi, between the three of them, this is like, this isn't the worst. This is not like the absolute worst issue I have with this. This is more leaning on the um, it kind of is, but it's kind of works. The perf- I think the performance is okay, I don't have huge gripes with it. There were moments, especially in the beginning, where to me the voice didn't match the character design, it didn't match what it was going for, but similar. Similar to Mila Lee as Renna as she, when she finally grew into the character by the end of the show. Grant does grow into the character. He absolutely does. Um, there are moments throughout the show where at times, while he was growing into the character, we had like a stumble or like two, took two steps back um, because there were moments where I felt that it got overplayed um, in terms of reactions and things like that. But...
2: in this this kind of show, you thought they were overreactions?
1: Yes, actually. There was, okay. to me. Which is interesting. I think part of it, the part of it goes back to when I was talking about the directing and writing of the show, where, because some of you guys were okay with the cheesy hamminess of it, I yeah. wasn't as much at first, and so, that's probably where my mindset originally went to.
2: Like, can I just ask one question, then, Lilac? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have another dub that you can point to, say, like, this is the kind of acting that I expected from a show like Higurashi. Shiki. I haven't seen Shiki yet, so I can't know what it is you're referencing. Shiki,
1: to me, is one of the best horror anime doves, period.
2: Okay, fine. Um, we will reconvene here's the thing. after i seen Shiki. For me,
1: Shiki is one of the best horror English doves, period. Higurashi <laughs> is a good show, though.
2: Yes.
1: Higurashi, I is one of my favorite horror anime shows, but comparably, if we're talking about dubs, Higarashi does not hold a candle to Shiki to me. Um, but I digress. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where Grant had to grow into the character, um, and it was okay. It's kind of in the middle for me. Not a favorite, not one I disliked, um, but I will agree with what you guys were saying, especially during that first arc of the show um, where he was slowly growing into that paranoia as, as he's as as um, Mion and Rena are just like Keiichi, come on Keiichi, what's wrong? What's wrong? And it's just slowly eating at him. I did enjoy that a lot, um, but most of the time I felt that it's it's again, I think it comes down to similar to what Mila had with with uh, Rena's character. A good amount of the time it was a directing problem where it was overdone and needed to be dialed back a little bit. Um, But by the end of it and throughout certain key parts in the show, I think he was great um, in terms of reactions and the paranoia and everything going on. Um, But at the end of the day, I think it's just an okay performance, not a standout to me um, because I have heard Grant George do a hell of a lot better performances. This is just not one of my favorites. Um, I think with that being said, are we good to move to final thoughts? yeah are, you ta- right. are we in
2: the final time loop already
1: oh absolutely we are in the final time loop maybe we'll get off 1983 today we'll <laughs>
2: find
1: <laughs> out we're <still> <laughs> yeah we're still alive so far uh, we can finally uh-huh, move what... on
2: ni- to the ni- positive year of 1984
1: Woo! wait wait <laughs> uh, Amon what are your final thoughts on the dub for Higurashi uh, I
3: think the the dub of Higurashi I, th- I think as we make clear is a little bit of a mixed bag it definitely has its highs and lows uh, that being said, I do think its reputation as one of the worst dubs is probably more a consequence of it being really popular for a period of time, rather mm-hmm. than it actually being that bad. Like, this is not great shakes, but this is this has this has plenty of good moments and is even at its worst, I think, a perfectly serviceable way to watch this show. Like, you could do a lot worse than than watching Higurashi with the English dub.
1: Right.
3: Uh, so, like, not 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 two thumbs up, but like a thumb up and an A plus for effort. Let's say.
1: A thumb up and and like three fingernails short.
3: Yeah, (laughs) they're short.
1: Stop. I had to do it. Jet, what are your final thoughts on the on the dub of Higurashi?
0: Okay, um, so I was a little worried revisiting the show because you know uh, shows of this genre kind of tend to not hold up all that well for me, and you know I hadn't heard great things about the dub, obviously. Uh, but surprisingly, I had a lot of fun with my rewatch, and, you know, while the show has its problems, you know, both structurally and in terms of how it presents certain things, uh, it held up a lot better than I was expecting, and I think it's, you know, managed to maintain its reputation as a horror classic pretty well. Um, as for the dub, you know, it certainly wasn't great, and there were some performances here that felt a little bit flat to me, but, uh, there were a few hidden gems here, and on the whole, it's pretty serviceable. I mean, if I were recommending the show to someone with, you know, no particular language preference, I would probably direct them towards a the Japanese track. But, you know, if you're looking to watch this show in English, this one will probably do you pretty okay.
1: Okay. Noah, your final thoughts, please.
2: So I believe, uh, like you said before, like I'm the only one in this group who had not seen any of the show going into it, right?
1: Uh, correct. Everybody else has at least seen the show at some point.
2: Yeah, so this was um, a fresh experience for me. And probably because um, I've been so heavily in watching all of the simul dubs recently, uh, it was really nice to watch a show from a, you know, a bygone era, back in the way off year of 2004, whenever the show came out. Um, Six. So, 2006 when the show came out. And that was uh, kind of where uh, the kind of shows that I really started to cut my teeth on when I got into watching anime was from around that same time period. So this felt kind of like coming back to home. And I think because my mentality is rooted in the kind of shows that were made around that time, I have kind of a, a softer spot for shows like this, which feel very, let's just do anything and have fun with it mentality that Higarashi is. There's plot holes you could drive a semi-truck through, and I don't mind any of that at all. This isn't something like Death Note where it's, suppo- it's trying to be hyper-realistic so that any flaws in the story really stand out. They're, they want to get to the gory bits. They want to make commentary about the backwards thinking of country people who stick to traditions that require the death and sacrifice of individuals. And that it's entertaining to watch. It's damn entertaining to watch Like to the point that I'm really looking forward to watching the second season as soon as possible. And so, because of all that, because of that positive reaction to it, I probably had a softer criticism of the dub overall, especially Mm -hmm. because I don't have another show that I feel like is like this. Um, Like, in terms of this over-the-top, melodramatic B-movie kind of acting, diversity, you know, or at least uniqueness, will land you some good praise when it comes to criticizing something because, you know, you don't have anything else to compare it to. And in this sense... Despite all of the flaws that I agree with a good chunk of the peop, of you guys' flaws when it comes to uh, mediocrity or forgettable performances, like that kind of comes with the territory. But the parts that stand out to me really stand out, and I can pro- yeah I can recommend this dub to people who are more comfortable with English dubs. Like the Japanese is I, obviously better, but the English is good enough for people who prefer dubs to begin with.
1: Uh, so as I was just saying, when we were talking about Keiichi or Ren or whatever section it was. Um, Higurashi is one of my favorite horror anime series, bar none. Because uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, I love my horror mystery psychological because I am weird like that. Uh, but I'm not going to lie because, again, this is the first time I actually ever watched the dub of Higurashi. I was a bit nervous. And even though I was the one who proposed this episode in the first place like all gung-ho like <laughs> i was like we should do this show give me volunteers um <laughs> give me my victims she she, she uh, asked
2: for people to be thrown into the pit
1: g- give me my victims throw them into the well um uh,
2: they just threw us in you know megan and andrew and jamal they just they picked us up and they tossed no, us in before no, no, we no, could no, object. No. you
1: threw yourselves into the well don't you drag them into this you That's what they want you to think. Yourself. You volunteered yourself. <laughs> Congratulations, you played yourself. <laughs> Sorry, my brain went there. Um, yeah, even, even though I was gung-ho about doing this episode for Halloween this year, um, I will admit I was a little bit terrified about watching the dub because of all of the terrible things I heard about it. It's, it's very infamous for being a horrendous dub. This is not the dumpster fire everybody makes it out to be. It is just okay. It is not, it is not spectacular or anything to write home about, Uh, but it's also not a complete and utter disaster either. Again, not that dumpster fire. Um, The directing and writing is again, I think some par, it's in the middle ground. Some of the performances can range from over the top and need to be dialed back to um, unforgettable, like forgettable, excuse me, not unforgettable, forgettable to the point where I don't even know a damn thing about the damn character at that stage. <laughs> um, but there are some fun moments, there are some fun fun gems of performances in there. If you do think about this show as more of like a B-movie horror type of deal, and you try not to take it as seriously, because after, it was rough, for me it was a little bit rough in the beginning to watch, but after I kind of get got into it a bit more, it was definitely much more enjoyable for me um, watching this show. Uh, once you, once you kind of get past the initial, initial, like, I would say maybe once you get towards the end of the first arc, that's when you really start kind of getting the hang of it and understanding the intention of the dub, um, that's where it'll start really shining for you. Um, but personally, I'm only going to say I recommend the Japanese over the English, mostly because we don't have dubs for the sequel seasons. (laughs) And it's going to yeah. be very jarring if you're not if for those who like consistency in watching their shows yeah. from jumping from an English dub to a Japanese between seasons. If you get what I mean there. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, I imagine that the jump from for me who watched this whole thing in English is going to have a little bit of a culture shock going yeah. into watching the second season solely I'm, in sub.
1: I mean, it's going to be a jump for me because I watched the Japanese like five six years ago originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be a jump for me when I finally because I own all of Higarashi, thank fucking god um
2: where so, in the world did you get all of it?
1: not done, hold your horses, um, but yeah at the very least, Higurashi ish does the show itself, I absolutely love it, it's really good horror, a lot of fun it, once you get past some of the weird plot the plot inconsistencies and the weirdness sometimes um, and the dub is just okay it's not a dumpster fire like everybody makes it out to be um, but if you are interested in watching Higarashi no Naku Koro ni, as well as its single seasons, Higarashi Kai and Higarashi Rei, they are currently available from Sentai Filmworks, uh, both in a Blu-ray and DVD variations. However, uh, they, Sentai Filmworks did announce, I believe almost a year ago now, or at least several months ago, that they will no longer mm-hmm. be printing DVD versions. So potentially, cause I haven't looked lately. Potentially, the DVD versions of Higarashi and its sequel seasons could be out of print by this point, and your only the, availability will be through the Blu-ray.
2: The um, f- uh, first season is already out of print as far as DVD goes.
1: There we go. Uh, so the only way to again, again... <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: again. But at least there's still the Blu-ray version, thank God. Um, as well, for has if... the
2: com- wait has the complete version of on Blu-ray come out yet? Because there's going to be a re-release with all the I, seasons. I, I, put I heard there was a
1: re-release. I don't think it's come out yet.
2: Okay. Unless well, it, unless it has
1: and I'm an idiot. I, I, no, no. I, I want, I want a... Someone I do quick research. Store. Someone do quick research while I keep blabbering on. Um Here another go. way Stall for another time. way to if you don't want to spend an enormous amount of money or egregious amount of money on DVDs or home videos, um, another way you can watch the show as of right now is actually through HiDive, the streaming service where you will find all your Sentai film works uh, made in Japan and all your fun little goodies. And we actually have some fun news for you guys too. This is the first time we're actually gonna be talking about this. So if you're interested in the Dive service or if you are an existing Dive user, uh, we, we at Dub Talk are officially an actual affiliate for High dive. So if you use the coupon code dubtalk2018 in your login or subscription or your sign up or whatever you get, uh, you actually will get 50% off of one month of high dive of your high-dive subscription. So feel free to use that code and you can enjoy a variety of different shows from the classics like Higarashi or Princess Tutu, we're gonna throw in there because that's a Mm. fun show. Interesting contrast for going in there, or some of the new uh, simulcasts or dubcasts going on, such as Tada Never Falls in Love, uh, as well as Made in Abyss and Princess Principel, as well as a variety of others. Um, so yeah, use the use the coupon code dubtuck Twenty Eighteen to get 50 percent off of a month subscription of Hide Dive, and enjoy some fun fun shows for this Halloween. Primarily Higurashi, because is a fun fucking show. Anyway. <laughs> it's uh, a
2: bloody good time. Did
1: we quickly solve the the question of the whole complete collection?
3: Yes, they sent, I uh, put out a complete series Blu-ray collection in December of last year. So you can get that right now if you want.
1: There we go. Done and done. Uh, for anything, uh, anything that the hosts of the four of us do here at Dub if you're interested in anything that we do, um, quick, plug yourselves. Jet, go okay first.
0: for me. Uh, you can usually find me on Twitter, uh, Jet Zero Infinity, or at Divine Nega, where, you know, I will usually be writing about cartoons, anime, that sort of thing. Uh, you can also occasionally find me on my blog, Animation Infinity, where I will sometimes write things.
1: Okay. And you still do stuff for the fandom post, correct?
0: Um, so, I, yeah, somewhat, but mostly just My Hero Academia. Or, well. Yeah. Was
1: My Hero Academia?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, season four already got it out so like that'll happen eventually.
1: <laughs> eventually, but right now you're just like, I'm taking a breather. I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amon, what, what? Any fun things we can find from you, sir? Uh,
3: you can find me on Twitter at @AmonDuelUS. Uh, Duel is to using it, where I talk about music and movies and comics and so on. Uh, I have two things. I have a I have a Dusty old song. First, I have a request for you, the listener. Uh, as, we, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Higurashi uh, clearly plays with the fact that it looks like a cutesy moe show, but it's actually horrifying. And I'm curious, so I think all of us, we were watching anime around the time that came out. Even if we weren't watching like Air and Canon and Clan Ad, we, mm-hmm. we were aware of that style. I'm curious, if you're younger than us, if you started watching anime after that particular style of boe kind of fell out of being really popular, does this show have the same effect? Uh, Ooh, no tweet us at Twitter, saying. comment uh, comment on the video. I'm curious to know if you've seen it recently, if you're gonna watch it after this episode, let us know, I'm curious. But I do have a dusty old song for us, I actually have two. Okay.
1: Hooray. Since
3: since this since this is said in Jan in June of nineteen eighty three, I tried to think, can I find a spooky song that was released in June of nineteen
1: eighty three? Oh my god, did you?
3: No, sadly. But Damn I it. found I found but 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 I found one so from sad. April, I found one from April and one from July, so I think that's good enough.
1: Close enough.
3: Uh, so Perhaps somewhere in Higarashi, if this little town happens to be located near some technical college with a hip radio station, maybe one day, one of the characters could turn on the radio, tune in, and listen to either She's in Parties by a British goth rock legends Bauhaus, or- She's in
1: Parties? That's a fun-ass song she's, title. What she, the hell?
3: She, she, she No, She's in Parties.
1: She's in Parties. I thought you said cheese. I'm like, wait.
3: No, no, I just can't enunciate.
1: Okay.
3: Uh, or they might hear The Walk by The Cure. Okay. The grand, the, the, the granddaddy of valve <laughs> legends.
1: Oh God.
2: Uh, so go check those out. They're great songs.
1: Noah, any fun and interesting things from you, sir?
2: I, I'm just uh, I'm listening to my lovely wife complain to me because I'm not getting her a glass of juice right now. She <laughs> she has to go get her own damn glass of juice. Aside <laughs> from a, that, Noah. I'm such an awful husband. <laughs> Aside
1: from that, Noah.
2: Well, besides from that, um, you can follow me on Twitter at NoahClue where I like to talk about things are going on in the cartoon world and about how you should watch Hilda on Netflix or you should watch the you should watch G kids sweep the Academy Awards come 2019 no I'm not bitter about the fact that Pixar is probably going to win again I want G kids to win again I want them once I want them to win once please and please I also have a YouTube please. channel uh, journey traveler uh, potentially work on stuff for that I just finished a very extensive editing project for the dub talk podcast so now that i am finished it didn't
1: you i know exactly what you're talking about
2: yes so um hopefully i'll be able to put my video editing skills to things on my own channel as well coming up soon
1: Sweet. Uh, As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Lalik Anime Review, with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E, where I post about daily life and shenanigans and all this other stuff. And I actually get to talk about this. This is the first time I get to talk about this. I started a blog again. (laughs) Uh, If you are interested in anything related to anime or personal, my personal life stories or any random stuff I think of and want to talk about on a blog, um, you can go to my blog, lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com. Uh, right now, the only things I have in here are um, when I saw the My Hero movie in theaters and the Girl is concert that I actually saw <laughs> a couple weeks ago now. Um, but I am working on a variety of different things. Hopefully by the time that this episode goes up, I will have posted my... Ten spooky anime to watch for halloween um higurashi hint hint is one of the shows on this on that list by the way um but for anything else if you are interested in the dub talk crew for anything else that we do uh there's a few ways to follow us the first thing First and foremost, you're already here on YouTube. You can subscribe to us here. Uh, we also have a Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitch channel. All of them are at Dubtuck Podcast. And if you enjoy what we do here um, and interested in supporting what we do here, um, we do have a coffee page if you are interested and you want to buy us a coffee. And we sincerely appreciate it if you do or don't decide to donate whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. Um, I believe... That is it for us here on this very spooky edition of Dub Talk on this Halloween night, gentlemen. And we
2: actually survived with all of our limbs intact. <laughs> for now.
1: For now, Noah. Noah, I think. Wait. I think. Noah.
2: Wait.
1: You know what? You, I, we, We've had. We have a problem. You know.
2: You,
1: we, we, you've been causing a lot of issues lately. I think you might need to distinguish yourself right now no, no, to kind wait, of clear wait, 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 things up.
2: A, can, can I just say I'm sorry a thousand times and make it all good? Nope.
1: That's not happening. Oh, God. You gotta, you oh, gotta God. oh, God. Why? Today, you got to distinguish yourself oh, today, got to distinguish yourself. Hold them down. Don't make me do it. Hold them down. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. Lila, just don't just, make me just do go through, through with
3: it. No, it'll be
1: better <laughs> that way. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> want three fingernails. That's all I want. That's I only all I want have right two now. left.
2: <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Why are we friends? <laughs> oh, God! Ah, uh, this is
1: music to my ears. <laughs> uh, have a safe and happy Halloween. My ass. <laughs>
2: have
1: a safe and happy Halloween, ladies and gentlemen. There's and blood until... in my
2: white carpet. I can't <laughs> get that. Nothing time. gets out. Have you and ever tried to get blood out of a white carpet before? <laughs>
1: until next time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm
2: talking uh, about my friends. Aloha, please send the police. (laughs) Somebody reset the timeline. (laughs) There's no resetting
1: of the timeline here. Fuck!